And now, introducing the man who served as the University of Maryland Waterboy for the NCAA Lacrosse Tournament yesterday, just after getting a speeding ticket for trying to imitate Tom Cruise and Top Gun. And the man who asked Pressbox for a raise this morning after getting his pockets cleaned out by the movie theater food over the weekend, he is... Glenn Clark. Well, it's not an issue. I, uh, not an issue? Not an issue. I am notoriously cheap at movie theaters. Oh, okay. I will not... And it, it's... I'm kind of this way... At most events, I will not be price gouged. Mm. Now, I'm not saying it'll never happen at other events, but concerts, games, things like that, it is extraordinary. The circumstances have to be unique for me to be purchasing food at these events. It okay. has changed a little bit because of the kids, because like it's just tough with the kids. They have to eat. I am willing to rearrange my entire schedule around not being price gouged. Wow. It is notorious in my life. My my Mrs. Clark is the type that would love to get like some junior mints at the the at the Cinemaplex. <laughs> she would like that. Yeah. They're very refreshing, of course. Sure. Everybody knows that. She would love to get like a box of junior mints. Mr. Clark will not be doing such a thing. I will not be paying eight dollars for a one dollar box of candy. It will not occur in my life. Are you one of those uh the smugglers that brings in the candy in the when bag? When I was a younger man I was. Now <laughs> Now it's very simple. I'll plan around it. We'll go. We'll get dinner beforehand. Okay. We'll get dinner at. We'll do whatever we got to do. I'm not. If they charged a reasonable amount of money, yeah, I would have no problem. But the price gouging thing is not something I'm going to participate in. Uh, fair and enough. It's mostly the same way at sporting events. It's mostly the same way at uh, concerts. Anywhere where they're clearly price gouging, I'm out. <laughs> Okay. I will pay. I am happy to pay for food. I'm happy to pay good money for food. It's the thing where I know that this is not a $20 hamburger. Right. I mean, Well, hamburger is a, a movie theater is a bad idea in the this, first place. Well, I mean, at the movie theater, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> like, at the movie, I, I'm just not paying that amount of money for this product. I'm not going to do it, and I don't need it so badly. And you could say, well, this is why movie tickets keep going up. That, that, that's your problem to deal with. Yeah. I have no obligation to spend such money on on these. So Mrs. Clark gave up on. She fights me about a lot of things, but very like within a couple of years of us being together, she realized no longer worth it. I'm not going to do it. I will not be spending exorbitant amounts of money. I will <laughs> not be gouged when I go to these places. It will not happen. Now the kids, they're still. They've kind of got me around there. Like, you know, we'll be at a, a baseball game, and they'll be like, oh, I want a pretzel. <laughs> you want them to have a good time at the baseball game because yeah. you want them to come back, right? Like, you don't want them to say the next time that they don't want to go to the baseball game. So you do have to put mm. up with the price gouging a little bit related to the kids. But myself, Mrs. Clark, uh-uh, not happening. I ain't paying $15 for a beer. I'm not doing it. That is a You're not yeah. going to get me. I don't care. You're not going to get me to spend $15 on a beer. Well, you know, then you you can't drink. Yes. And I'll live. Well, you know, you just got to you got to go to plenty uh, of establishments nearby that are selling reasonably pl- well, priced. Well, that's beverages. what I was about to say. You got to go outside before you come into the stadium. It's then not you're hard. Set. Then you're set. It's just not hard. It's the gouging thing. I it if it was a mar- this is not about me not spending more money. It's about gouging. I will not yeah. be gouged. I am notorious in that way. That is, I uh, will not be gouged. I will. I will not. I, we'll go. I you know go to a concert or something like that, and everybody's like, "You hungry?" I'll be like, "Yeah." We want to go get food. Nope. What? I'll wait till afterwards. Eight well, hour not, ago. Not, eight before we got in here. We're not going to leave until like eleven thirty. Okay. I can I can stop at like uh, Royal Farms on the way home. No problem. Mm, yeah. 
I can do that. I had Royal Farms on the way to a baseball game like two days ago. There you go. There you go. There you go. What baseball game did you go to? Bowie on uh, Saturday night. Saw Bowie, yep. They were doing the beer run on Saturday night. Did you participate in the beer run? Uh, I had a I had a Corona, but I I, I don't know. Oh, you didn't, I, you I, didn't participate in the run. I just, right. I just had a I, I had some beer. I didn't participate right, in the right, run, unfortunately. Right, very good. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. Zach Goodman is with us again this week from the Bat Around. I uh, hope you all had a uh, peaceful uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, took some time to reflect. Obviously, it was a um a pretty good weekend for the Orioles, taking three of five up in Boston. There, there were some negative moments mixed in. I guess the bloom is kind of off the Bruce Zimmerman rose a little bit, but I think we all kind of knew that he was not likely to be an ace at the major league level, so there's that. Still, they took three of five on the road. I know Boston stinks. I understand that, but baby steps, man. Baby steps. Uh, uh, a 500 road trip. Baby steps. Yeah. Well, you look at baby steps. You look at what they've done against the AL East in the previous, you know, three four years, and the the numbers are not even comparable to what they've done so far this year. I mean, so far in, in series, they're four and four mm-hmm. um, as far as the AL East goes, and I believe last year they were, I want to say three nineteen and two. I could be very wrong in that, but they were sounds in, about incredibly, right, incredibly yeah. terrible um, yeah. against AL East opponents. And let's not act like even though the Red Sox are, are not a good team this year. They're still not a, a horrible team. I mean, they're, they're playing well under, I think, the talent level that they have. I mean, guys like Trevor Story, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, these are really good baseball players that, that the Orioles were able to uh, yep. to beat this weekend. No, I mean, there's no doubt about that. The, the, the Boston thing, that's their problem. They can deal with it. Um, we, don't, we certainly uh, shed no tears for the issues that they are faced with as an organization. Um, you know, it was a it was a nice weekend for the Orioles. We we're hoping to catch up with Dean Kramer. I apologize if you see Dean Kramer there on the schedule. It's not it's not going to happen today. It's I, I don't it might <clears throat> I don't know what it might mean but if I'm being completely <laughs> honest with you. That's true. I don't know. Uh, we were supposed. All I can tell you is we were supposed to have Dean Kramer on the show today, and it's unfortunately not going to happen. And I guess you can infer th- there there is there is no scheduled starting pitcher still for tonight. Yes. Correct. That is the uh, that is the way I read it uh, as of this morning. Yes, I have I am not trying to tell you these two things are related because the Lord knows I have no earthly idea. They could easily be. if they're. I, I don't want to I don't want to say something that I don't know about. Fair I know enough. Fair enough. We know we we'd like to go to Norfolk every Tuesday, and yeah. and the idea that was floated by the tides asked, hey, you know, what about Dean Kramer? He's down here in a rehab assignment, and of course I love Dean. We talked to Dean a million times over the years, yeah. and so. They were like, hey, the Orioles have to approve it. The Orioles said, absolutely. The Orioles approved. So that's the weird part. If the Orioles knew right. like he was going to be back, then I don't think they would have said, go ahead and let him do the in-. I Just my guess is they would have said, sure, no. Um, I don't know. It's very weird. But unfortunately, Dean Kramer will not be joining us this morning, which is a bummer. But I think we might have another special guest joining us instead. I can't, I can't give you all the details. But <laughs> I, all I can we'll say is out. I tried to say this to – Poor Zach, who's in here helping out. Right? We'll find out. And who comes in today, he's like, hey, man, uh, don't have a rundown, don't have a... And I'm like, bro, there's a lot going on right now. There is an awful lot going on. Also, it's coming off a holiday weekend where mm. nobody really wants to work. Nobody has any interest in working. I get it. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I did a radio show on Sunday. Rita was out. I do it by myself. It was pulling teeth, finding folks that were willing to come on. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, can you come on on Sunday? No, I'll be on a boat. It's Memorial oh, okay. Day. Come on now. Uh, can, hey, man, could you come on on Sunday? No, I'll be at the beach. All right. Hey, uh, could you come on on Sunday? <laughs> no, I'll be at a cookout. Okay. 
Wow. Yeah. The guys you were calling seem like they're having a nice life. No, I mean, they were all it's fun and time. They, they were all very, hey, I'd love to come on next week. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I, uh, I'll worry about that next week. That'll be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Worried about this right now. All right, today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It was a great weekend to be at the FanDuel Sportsbook for all of the various events, but the big events don't end there. The NBA Finals get underway on Thursday night, and I've tried telling you a few times, the biggest crowds at the FanDuel Sportsbook are for football and basketball games, and so they're expecting massive crowds for the NBA Finals, which can get underway this Thursday night, Boston, Golden State, if you want to be in there on Thursday, Sunday night for game two, hanging out, getting your bets in on the 61 self-service kiosks, then the thing you need to do is email events at sportssocialmd.com in order to reserve your spot as the NBA Finals get underway this Thursday night. All right, we are scheduled this morning. We were scheduled to chat with Dean Kramer. That's off the, I'm sorry. That's off the, that's off the table. We are scheduled to also chat with... Um, Patrick Stevens, our buddy from uh, the Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine. We are scheduled to catch up with him. Also, we are scheduled to catch up with, oh, you know what? I think we can go ahead and do this. Um, I think John Tillman's going to join us. I don't know if you've heard of him. He just won a national championship. Sure did. Um, we are, uh, I think we're going to chat with him in just a second. And then also this morning we are scheduled. I'm really excited about this. As you pointed out, I did see Top Gun. Mm, I, I I need to talk about this. This is a have you uh, you did no you, I I have not seen it. I didn't see did it. Yet. You have any intention of seeing it? At I point? might. It depends. Okay. Right. Um, do it, I don't know if you know the entire world. Well, saw right. It. I've heard this is it's the, like the, the highest, the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's, it's like the highest grossing right number. If you don't mind giving that sure. number a phone call right now, uh, I appreciate it. it. I was unaware. I was very excited about Top Gun, and I wanted to do something on the show Top Gun related, and I found out. That former Navy women's soccer player, Commander Kristen Hansen, was involved with the making of Top Gun Maverick. She uh, might have been a bit of an inspiration for Monica Barbaro's character, and then she apparently actually took Monica, at least, and maybe some others, out on, on flights. So I'm excited about this. This is really cool. Commander Kristen Hansen, Dragon is her, uh, her call sign is scheduled to join us a little bit later on in the show. A former Navy women's soccer player is scheduled to check in with her and um, discuss her involvement with Top Gun Maverick, which I think is a really cool thing, and I'm looking forward to doing that. So all of that uh, scheduled uh, for today's show. Looking forward to uh, having those conversations. We will also do Simply the Bets a little bit later on. Simply the Bets, as always, is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. We do it every Thursday morning at 11.40. Maybe try calling him from my cell, see if, if, if you can't uh, coordinate that. And He just texted me, said he was good to go. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Lieutenant Commander. Oh, sorry, what am I doing here? Simply the bets. Simply the bets. We do have 11, 11.40 every Tuesday morning. And we're going to do it today at 11.40. And then we'll have Weekend at Bookies this Thursday morning at 11.40. So today, Simply the Bets, Thursday, Weekend at Bookies, all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Everything's good. We are going to chat with John Tillman. Maryland wins the NCAA championship, finishes the season undefeated, which is remarkable. Incredibly, incredible accomplishment for the University of Maryland as they uh, hung on and defeated Cornell yesterday. To finish the year 18-0, and the best record 
for an undefeated team in NCAA history. And they most certainly avenge falling just a game short of doing the exact same thing, going undefeated and winning a title a year ago. Joining us now, for the second time, a national champion as head coach here at the University of Maryland. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the program Coach John Tillman, who's with us on GCR. Coach, I know it's got to be an insane day. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes to squeeze us in this morning. Yeah, no problem. Uh, It's been a kind of crazy couple weeks here. Certainly a a really fast and furious last few days. Uh, You you can't make up some of the stuff that happened between the weather delay and, you know, guys getting hurt and the weather and, um, you know, guys cramping, guys whatever. Uh, So, you know, that's kind of how life is and it's part of the process, right, is just a Whatever comes your way, try to manage it to the best of your ability. Our friend uh, Patrick Stevens wrote at USA Lacrosse Magazine, he, he used the term, uh, it's all that mattered, that none of the other stuff, the the fact that it got you know kind of hairy there for a minute in the fourth quarter, all the stuff you just talked about, all that matters is your national champions. Did, did you have that feeling as the day went on? Like all of this stuff that we've had to be, go through, who the hell cares? We're national champions now. Yeah, you. Um, it, we definitely. I, I give our kids a lot of credit. You know, there's there's no easy way to to kind of win that last game, but we certainly weren't kind of when you look at the macro view. You know, like the draw was a pretty challenging draw um, to play a team that was the two-time defending national champion and ranked really in the top five in the coaches' poll most of the year is in the quarters. Um, you know, and then having to come back. And by the time I got back on that Sunday, from that Sunday quarterfinal, I got back to my house at about 5 a.m. We bust back and we had some bus problems. Um, and the kids were pretty gassed from that. And then we had to turn around on Thursday morning, practice at 7.30, and then drive up to Hartford. So it was fast, furious. Uh, we had a few injuries that we had to deal with. We had that delay. Uh, certainly both teams had to deal with the delay. So, mm-hmm. uh, But it was just crazy you know we went from um you know thunder and lightning we were over at the game we went back to the hotel we went back um by the time i started watching film on on saturday night to get ready for cornell i think it was quarter to midnight so um i think a lot of us were running on fumes and um you know cornell is obviously a great team uh fortunate to get the win and i thought they played hard as they as they have all year and played well um, just you could tell we were starting to to run out of gas. Uh, guys were going down, and uh, if that was another quarter, I'm not sure what happens. Yeah, good, the good news is it wasn't. The good news is you never yeah. have to worry about that. Coach John Tillman with us on GCR. Coach, you know, when we ch- chatted a couple weeks ago, uh, it was before the Virginia game, and it really struck me. You you said, we're not trying to hide from what happened. We, we know what happened, and, and we're not – trying to have them block it out. We're not trying to ignore the fact that this is the team that's knocked us out the last couple of years. And I, I talked to uh, John Donville last week, and obviously the Cornell thing for, for him, for you, it's it's out there. How were you able to handle all of these things, all of the pressure that came with undefeated season, coming up short a year ago, for the, the, the school that this young man was at, the school that means so much to you, all of that stuff. How were you able to use all of that in order to get across the finish line? Yeah, I think a lot of it's communication. Um, you know, you're trying to get a sense of what are what are the kids hearing, and then what do we do to bring them back to center? Um, you could tell uh, it was you know John and I were out in Ohio last year and we were watching the Cornell Delaware game because we were just kind of waiting 
for them to finish. And, you know, we get over there early and just sitting in the locker room. So you're sitting in the locker room where you'll, you can come out and you can watch the other game. So John and I were out there by ourselves and, you know, we're watching Delaware and Cornell and John looks at me, he goes, you know, we're going to play Cornell. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know. Like, you don't know. He goes, oh no. He goes, I'm just telling you, this is going to happen. And he was right. Uh, <laughs> um, and he was definitely not, I mean, I think both of us are so fond of Cornell and we're so thankful for our experience there. And that place means a lot to us, the people, our relationships, it's part of who we are. So sure you're pulling for them to win every game, but then that means if you're playing them, it's like, Oh really? You know, I'd, I'd like to have a little bit more, you know, bad blood or, you know, like more <laughs> angst against these guys. And, um, and I, I certainly have fond of the, that, I, the coaching staff there I'm very connected with. We scrimmaged them in the fall. We have. So I'm always pulling for those guys. I'm pulling for those kids. Um, I have a mentee. Um, uh, one of the kids on the team is my mentee as a, as a, a Cornell uh, mentor and alum, and, and that was Chase Erland. So, you know, the guy that was making those saves yesterday, Man. you know, I was trying to kind of talk to him about, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to coach? And, um, you know, how can I help you? Um, you know, cause people helped me along the way. So, uh, kind of a weird vibe, but proud of those kids, proud of Connor. What a tremendous job those guys did this year. And, um, you know, just the way they play, the way they carry themselves and that, that the future of that program, super bright. Um, I want to talk about Bubba if I could for a second coach, because, you know, I'm sure there have been people that for whatever reason have been critical of Bubba because he came in with so much hype and he was, you know, it, what he did yesterday, what he did this season, the selflessness of making the move and then stepping up the way he did to help you guys win a national championship, I, to me it's one of the more special stories in recent lacrosse memory. Uh, I think what people didn't know behind the scenes was you know, Bubba took a few injuries um, that we never really talked about, and, and I never felt like, he truly got back to the 100% health he was as a freshman. Um, and I think that always bothered him a little bit because he knew what he was capable of. Um, and it was a little bit frustrating to him. Um, but he never made it about himself. He never, like, you know, pouted, never complained. But deep down inside, I think he's got high standards. And he obviously wanted to do his best for the team. Um, but I heard some of that stuff and saw some of that stuff and, you know, obviously was a guy that I, I know the value that he's always brought mm -hmm. as a player. There's what he does on the field, but what Dub Bubba does off the field, the type of teammate he is, type of leader, what he does for our young guys uh, is immeasurable. Um, so I just was like so happy when he moved over and people saw what a great job he was doing. He gets drafted high. And he was incredible yesterday. I thought he played his best two games of the year when we needed him most, which to me is a sign of a great player. Um, and he, he's going to have a great pro career. He's going to have a great life because he's just a, a wonderful human being and just a team first guy. The the other side, of course, is your goal. Speaking of guys that played their best when you needed them the most, uh, Logan McNaney, who has just etched himself into the lore of Maryland lacrosse in a way that, I, I mean, he was always going to be a good player. Jesus Christ. This weekend, uh, absolutely insane. How, how do you possibly describe what he meant? And again, getting you guys over the finish line this weekend. Yeah, we, we really needed that defensive effort. And I think, you know, Jesse Bernhardt and Carol Kennedy do a great job with our defense. And I, I loved our game plans for those games. 
um, because those teams were really good. Uh, Princeton's offense, I think, was top five in the country, and 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 Cornell just hit its stride at the right time. I mean, they would they put up seventeen against Rutgers, yeah, um, and they put up a ton against Ohio State. So um, against two teams in our league that we respect a lot, like they scored a lot of goals. So. Um, we had, they have great parts, they have really good schemes. Um, and I thought the coaching staff did a really good job of putting our guys in good position, but I think our players tremendous job of executing the game plan. And a lot of it was straight up fundamentals, discipline, being on the same page, forcing guys where they needed to go, communicating well, um, and being on point. And, and a lot of the shots that Logan got, I think he'd be the first to tell you there were guys getting the hands, guys mm. were moving, mm. they weren't setting their feet. And that took just a little bit off, which makes Logan's job a whole lot easier. And I, I'm confident he'd say that. So again, a collective effort there where you kind of need all of those things to come together to get that many saves. Because if guys are getting good looks and step downs at the final four, most, most guys are going to can those. And then uh, this image that I saw after the game of of Luke and remembering, you know, his emotions a year ago after getting the opportunity and it didn't go for him. But you and I talked about the season he's had and how unbelievable he's been. And then for him to just be able to revel in it um, from from one year to the next year, what did it mean to you to see him be able to get the face-off win at the end and celebrate after the emotions that he experienced Memorial Day a year ago? Right. That's why we do what we do. Um, teaching guys about resiliency, teaching guys about life, um, realizing things don't always go your way. It's how you respond. Um, and I kind of look at, you know, what happened in 16, you know, we lose in the national championship. You know, a lot of people talked about Connor Kelly. He had a shot in overtime and, you know, it didn't finish. And we had a lot of shots on that game, but people always talk about the last mm-hmm. one. And right, Connor was left with that all summer. And then Connor took that and utilized that. And it motivated him to have an incredible year. First team All-American Offensive Player of the Year in our conference, Tourton candidate. And through that adversity, he got stronger and better. And you just can't make up the development that Luke made in one year to go from 45% an area of probably not one of our strengths last year to all of a sudden be a first team all American at 66% or so and scoring goals and really dominating the middle of the field for us. It, that just doesn't happen. That's like something out of a movie. So it's a credit to Luke and what he did and his dedication, instead of feeling sorry for himself, he really worked hard. The other three face-off guys in the hog pen, you know, guys like Gavin Ty and Shea Keithler and Mike Roach were were a huge part of that. Carol sure. Kenny, who works with our face-off guys, our wing guys, you know, John Geppert, Owen Probilski, Roman, Higgs, all those guys uh, just collectively did a tremendous job. And it says a lot about Luke, but also those guys, you know, kind of helping him make his job easier. Coach, I know I'm going to have to let you go because you're so busy today. But I, if I could just – I know the last one was so important because, you know, it, you had to end the drought. This thing you had to inherit when you took this job – what does this one mean to you now? Like, obviously, it's undefeated. It's the, the the conversation about you guys maybe being the greatest team ever. But, but what does this one mean to you? Five years removed from getting your first one. I think for us, you know, we the narrative of you know we we couldn't win it, and then we get one, and then you know a few years go by, and then people start saying, all right, well, 
was just that a fluke, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think to kind of counter that narrative, um, not that it's anything that will, we're going to do what we do, be the best is be the best. So we have our marching orders, you know, we have our core values. Um, but I think getting that one and then because of the way things went last year, um, to stare that down and literally try to get back and get over the hump um, and have so many guys come back and decide to take a chance on us for some of the, the, the fifth-year guys, you know, guys like Probilski, guys like Khan and Donville, um, and then the guys like Ray Hill, you know, decided to come back for another year not knowing if it was going to work out. But they took the chance. Um, they made some sacrifices. They put their lights on hold. So to see those guys celebrating after seeing the tears of pain last year, to see the tears of joy, um, it's so awesome to see. I, I, I don't look at things like revenge or redemption. To me, it's just, man, seeing those guys go, you know what, let's try it again. We're going to risk breaking our hearts. But life is all about like taking those risks so that your life is better. And if you don't take those risks, you're never really going to know what you could and could have done. And that's a tough way to go through life. I, there's no doubt, man. But I could feel all those emotions, man. It was it was a special scene. Coach John Tillman, thank you for taking a couple of minutes this morning. And seriously, heartfelt congratulations. It was a, a really amazing thing to watch your team all season long, my friend. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the support. Coach John Tillman, national champion again at the University of Maryland after uh, the Terps finish off Cornell. 9-7 yesterday, again, got a little hairy there in the fourth quarter, and we can talk about whether or not maybe they got to think about, you know, it's it, this was unfortunate because of this insane weather delay they had on Saturday, which forced the semifinal all the way to Saturday night, frankly, and then that's an awfully quick turnaround to play the two most important games of the year. But um, they got it done. That's all that matters, ultimately. They got it done. I'm writing today about the debate about whether Maryland is the – and we'll talk to Patrick Stevens about it here in a bit. I, I don't know. I mean, who knows? And, and I'm not trying to be dismissive or evade the question. A lot of people bring up the 1990 Syracuse team because it was Paul and Gary Gate and Tom Marichek, and they rolled through the NCAA tournament. Now, ironically, that championship was actually vacated uh, a couple years later, but you know that doesn't really matter in, in this mythical debate about who the greatest team of all time is. I, I, I have no idea. But I also know it's it's kind of irrelevant. This Maryland team is one of the greatest college lacrosse teams of all time. Whether uh, they are the single greatest or not, who gives a flying F? You win a national championship, you don't necessarily care yeah, if you, you're you went considered un- by you, the media as the you greatest. Went, you, went, you went undefeated. You won every game you played. Right, right. You didn't play a one-goal game all season. Yeah. The only two-goal games you played, you played a two-goal game against Notre Dame earlier in the year, and you played a two-goal game on Championship Monday after you had like a, you know, a 30-hour turnaround. Um, who cares? Who cares? It's irrelevant, like you said. It's I mean, we'll, 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 I'll, I'll let Patrick Stevens say whatever he wants to say about it because mm-hmm. I get it. It's a topic. And I'm, I'm not trying to be dismissive of it. But I thought Patrick and what he wrote for USA Lacrosse Magazine, and it inspired what I'm writing today at PressBoxOnline.com, those words, all that mattered. Who gives a flying F? If they had won by 10 goals yesterday, would that have ended the debate? Would everybody in the world have said, well, that's the greatest college lacrosse team of all time? No. No. 
Well, there, it's all subjective anyway. Yes. I mean, you're never going to have a right answer. No one's ever going to come out and say, well, definitively. It's impossible. Is. It literally right. cannot be answered. There's can, no way to know. It's a dead-end question. But right. it is, I guess it's one worth pondering if you're uh, someone like Patrick Stevens and you're, you know that much about it. He knows certainly yeah, a lot I mean, more than I do. I, here's my, <laughs> my, yeah, my guess. And he's no, he knows more than, more than I do. But my guess is he's going to sort of say something similar where, you know, may, I don't know. It, it's whatever. They're undefeated national champions. They were a remarkable team to watch all yes, season yes. long. Um, your dad's a big Maryland guy. You were saying that, Zach? Yeah, he he gets very invested in a lot of the playoff runs that the teams make. Like football, oh, well, it's not too often that football makes the playoff run, but when they do, or basketball, and uh, he definitely was was invested in this lacrosse tournament. Um, so yeah, he, he definitely pays attention. I think that's that's true with a lot of people. I think there are a lot of people who will turn on the TV because their local you know, team I, is having a lot of success. It's, it's so funny. They're, I hate I hate gatekeeping in in all aspects of life. I hate gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. It's it's dreadful. Um, it's something that people do because they think they're a better whatever, a better fan, a better fan. <laughs> right. We, we we see this all the time. If if you're if you ever say anything critical about the Orioles, there's someone there to say to you, yeah. you know, like you're well, not you, a real fan. You hate Elias. Ex- exactly you know, all that, right. All right. that nonsense. <laughs> and sometimes it's just dumb Twitter banter. And sometimes yeah. people really like. I remember when the when the Orioles were miserable for mm-hmm. so long. There were people that would literally say to like when when we when I would be critical of the Orioles being terrible, I would hear this from people. Well, don't show up when they're good again. Don't think you're going to be welcome when they're good again. Yeah, you know I was still going to all of the games. I still <laughs> right right. I was still a fan. Sure, it's in my blood. I'm from here. This is my home. I was frustrated that they got their asses kicked for fourteen years. Yeah, and every right to be frustrated about it, and it's it's a similar feeling that I see like yesterday when people who aren't lacrosse fans but are Maryland fans love Maryland basketball, love you know love Maryland football to whatever mm-hmm. extent they do. Um, don't pay attention to lacrosse all year, but suddenly it's what's going on and Maryland's good, so they get. And you'll still see that from some people. You'll still see this gatekeeping, mm-hmm. like this. You don't get to celebrate this. You don't care about. You don't even know about lacrosse. Right, right, right. Get the f out of here with that. Right. Who cares? Maryland means something to you. You went there. Your parents went there. It was the school you rooted for growing up because you're from Maryland. I was going to say, it's the one you live close by to. Your tax money goes there. Right, right. simple as that. The nonsensical thing where people are like, well, they're closer to D.C. My tax dollars go (laughs) to the University of Maryland. I don't know if you know. They say it says Maryland on their, their sweater. You know why I'm able to root for Maryland and not for uh, the Washington Capitals? Because it says Maryland. Right. Because the state flag that I put on everything that I wear is the same state flag <laughs> that they have. Right. right. So who gives a – yes, I like lacrosse a lot. I'm a big lacrosse guy. Everybody you knows are. that about me. I you love are. lacrosse. It's a sport I care about passionately. I've watched an awful lot of – I'm more, of course, because I work now at Loyola and at Stevenson. I care more about those teams. Um Somebody was watching something besides tennis this weekend. Oh, uh, we had we had the unacceptable the Masson Orioles game on the TV during unacceptable terrible right terrible. I um, can't watch baseball in this studio. I totally uh, I totally forgot. Okay, by the way, Coco Golf. It's a remarkable story. She's on. She's um, she's into the French Open semifinals, which is a big deal. Uh, Coco Golf was a revelation a couple years ago at Wimbledon when she um, sort of arrived on the scene as a 15 year old and. Then this is the, the uh, all of a sudden the expectations just get wildly out of whack 
when somebody does something like that and the thought is immediately they're going to go win Grand Slam championships when mm -hmm. that's not what 15-year-olds do. Um, now a couple years, still very young, 19, Coco Golf is on uh, to the uh, French Open semifinals, which is a major accomplishment. A big one coming up today. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic play in the French Open quarterfinals. Today. I mean, there are not many tennis names that I'm aware of, but yeah. those two I'm very aware well, of. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're aware. It's impossible not to be, I think. I'm like, glad, it's, I'm it's glad part that of, you're aware. part of popular culture. Uh, yeah, I'll be writing about Maryland lacrosse. So I do. I care deeply. But I'm, I welcome everybody who does not care at all about lacrosse all year long, but suddenly on Memorial Day weekend says, hey, this is on ESPN or this is on ESPN2, and I'm going to pay attention now, and I'm going to care. Welcome. I, I <laughs> Celebrate, man. Celebrate. Enjoy it. Even if you have no idea what a rope unit is, even if you have no clue about the terminology of the sport, celebrate it. You're celebrating your school. You're celebrating the your the. You remember the? Oh God, I don't even know how old you would have been. So you, this is a terrifying question to ask. Let's see. Um, the uh, the game between the Ravens and Steelers in 2008, mm -hmm. which featured the uh, Santonio Holmes touchdown that wasn't actually a touchdown mm -hmm. that won the game for him. Where they went back reviewed it, there was absolutely not clear and 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 present evidence that. He had scored a touchdown there, but they went ahead and they yeah. they awarded him a touchdown, and it was nonsense um, as the Ravens were in trouble at that point, but then went to Dallas the following week and beat the Cowboys in, in the final game ever at Texas Stadium. Mm -hmm. That particular day, the radio station that I was at at the time, we had an arrangement with one of the beer companies to that I would sit up in the what they were I don't know, maybe they still call it the flight deck. Oh yeah, Miller Lite flight deck. Well, we don't. They don't spend money with us, so we don't give. Mm. Them. We just say one of the beer companies. One of the beer companies. Yes, that one, one of the beer. That companies. one. It's Excuse okay. me. It's okay, pal. Yeah. It's all right. It's a lesson. I have to teach this one of the, lesson. One, of the, one of the big beer companies. Yes, right. Like if you want to spend money with us, we're happy to, to talk about you. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you're just one of the beer companies. Um, so I would be sitting up there, and then I had to attend this pregame event in the tent that they had outside. And it was lovely, and I was happy to be there, and I got extraordinarily uh, inebriated. And I remember <laughs> that Maryland's men's soccer team was playing for a national championship that afternoon. So mm -hmm. that game was a four. It was a late afternoon game. It was a four o'clock or a four. I, I don't know. This is a wait, so it might have been four o five. I don't know. What, I don't know if they had moved the games to four twenty yet. Um, but I was in the tent beforehand where they were showing all the 1 o'clock games on the TV screens, and I was the guy walking around to every bartender asking if they could put the Maryland soccer <laughs> game on. The only guy in the place Yeah, in the, the place only guy that. that was asking that question. But I, And it's not as if I, I can't pretend as though I had watched every Maryland. I, I'm not going to tell you that I watched every Maryland cross game this year because, again, I was working right. most of those Saturdays. But it's okay. It's okay for you to care suddenly if it's your team and your school and it's just not the sport that you care about the most, Maryland baseball is going to host a regional this weekend for the first time ever in school history. It's awesome. Yeah. And if you want to go down, despite the fact that you haven't watched Maryland baseball all season long, but you just you heard that it's the NCAA tournament and you think that's cool, that's great. This gatekeeping thing where like you don't get you're not a fan enough is toxic and nonsense. I I, yeah, I, I hate it. This, you're not you're not a good enough fan. Get the f out of here. Get out of here, man. You want to dunk on someone who's a make believe fan? You want to dunk on someone who's from Baltimore but claims themselves to be a Duke basketball fan? Dunk on them all you want. But the gatekeeping thing, where like you're not a good enough fan, 
or how dare you ever stop it it's so gross yeah it's a it's a tired tired argument and the worst thing is i i will say this when i see someone who is a yankee fan a laker fan and a cowboy fan i start to ask questions there yeah right like that's nothing i have no problem with dunking on yeah like that's a a line i think you've crossed at that point it's someone's an orioles fan Mm -hmm. but they're not an they're not enough of an orioles fan right Right. They don't spend. They don't watch every game all season. They mm. don't go to ev- like it's that. Like yo, chill out. They're on your team. Right, 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 right. And it's not <laughs> like you're jumping on the bandwagon when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles. No, right, or even really, frankly, the Baltimore Ravens. Because if if, if I portrayed my, I know our friend Jason Lockenfora gets crap for this all the time. If you portray yourself to be a fan of one team and then suddenly another team gets good and you're all of a sudden a fan of that team, like that's something that we can kind of. It's a discussion to have. Yes, we're gonna have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's bandwagon to your point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's just not as invested all the time, or again, like with college sports, you just don't care. I, I'm trying to think of an example of a I, if Maryland's field hockey team played for a national championship and they played for plenty over the years. I can't pretend as though I'm a big Maryland field hockey guy, but that day. I'm going to be the biggest Maryland field hockey guy ever. Right. Because they're playing for a national championship. And it's the school that I care about. And I know a couple people that played field hockey at Maryland. I'm excited for them. I'm mm-hmm. happy for mm-hmm. them. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be like, I go to all the games. Like, <laughs> biggest fan of Maryland field hockey but ever. I'm, I'm not going to gatekeep somebody mm-hmm. and say, like, you're not allowed to celebrate it. I'm gl- I, Everybody that didn't watch Maryland lacrosse all season but was tuned in yesterday because it was a national championship game, it was great to have you. I hope some of you enjoyed what you watched and will become bigger lacrosse fans because it's a great sport. It's a lot of fun. But if but if you don't, that's okay too. And that's my main argument against gatekeeping. And I, I see that with people who you know, especially with the Orioles, because I I guess yeah, I'm around you, you a lot of those people right. so often. Um, and I hear, oh, you're not a real fan. You don't watch. You're not, you know, don't come back when the when when the, the the parade is happening. You're not invited. Whatever. I hear that all the time, and I'm thinking, don't you want people to be fans of the Orioles? Don't you want to see these? Sta- you're the ones probably saying two months ago that you want to see the stand. Full, you right, missed that, right. and then you're telling people not to come out to the games when they get good. Come to- on, toxic crap, man. That's it's just, just it's so it's not right. Right? I, it's some we somehow think we're better than someone else right, because of right. because of our fan. We're being a fan of something is not a personality trait. It's not a quality. No, it's a hobby. Yeah. That's what it is. It's just a hobby. It's a very passionate one for most that's, people. And that's cool. I love that. Thankfully, it's the reason why I'm able to, to sure. have jobs. Sure. I, I wanted to be a passionate. But it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. It's not an accomplishment. Being a fan is not something to put on your resume. <laughs> you walk in there and you're like, well, I'm an Orioles fan, so well, you should I, hire I know, me. I'm the biggest. <clears throat> why should I have this job? Because I am the biggest Orioles fan. <laughs> I never, I never uh, miss a game. Right. Okay. Well, I don't think you understand. I never, these <laughs> right. jokers that miss games, I never miss a game. I know everybody on the Delmarva Shorebirds roster. <laughs> Michael Dayson is my favorite uh, player. Okay. Great. Why should you have the job? But that's the way we treat it. We treat it like it's some sort of accomplishment. Yeah. You're, and again, I'm not saying don't be a big fan. Be a big fan. And if you're the biggest Maryland lacrosse fan, I'm sure yesterday was particularly special for you. But let it be special for the guy that doesn't watch lacrosse at all, that just happens to know that that says Maryland on their shirt, and so you like that. Well, it's just caring too much about what other people are doing. 
also, yeah, right? Like you, point, you, you right? don't need to have that amount of investment in other people's lives yeah. where you're like, man, if you're watching the yeah, Maryland you gotta, lacrosse you, you game, shame on you because you haven't watched one all right. year. It's like, what are you? Why are you so worried about I mean, what they're doing? Right? It, again, if it's, anything, welcome. Yeah, if anything, yeah. awesome. Glad to have you. Another fan. Right? Enjoy. Let's high five afterwards. There are plenty of people that are at the bar yesterday or at establishment. Well, I was gonna say that after after the game was over, we're high fiving. Right. I, I during the World Cup in years past, I would always I've got Italian. My family is Italian, and so I would always enjoy watching Italy. But I'm not going to pretend like I can tell you everything about the history <laughs> right, of Italian right. soccer. But I know that I've been in establishments where other guys wanted to give me a high five and say Forza, and that was fun, and that's okay. It's cool. It's a neat moment. Yeah. God. Well, I think I, I think you you will find that with the vast majority of World Cup viewers that they have no idea who ninety five percent of the players are, the, yeah, and they're just point. tuned in because it's a cultural thing. I, it's I, a huge. I love tennis. I want you guys to listen to Courts of Thunder, right? I, more than anything, I'd I'd like for more people to watch, so I have more people to talk about it with. I'd yeah. love for you to just watch today, Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic, so I can talk about it with somebody. That would make me happy because I I'll watch it for you, Glenn. Thanks, I'll, I'll, I'll come back tomorrow and, and we'll it. have a. There we go. I do we'll like do that. I do like that. Hey, um, Baltimore Police still looking for a few folks. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. We'll come back in. We'll um, put the finishing touches on lacrosse season with our buddy Patrick Stevens. Commander Kristen Dragon Hansen, who's remarkable in her own right, former Navy women's soccer player, had a, quite the hand in Top Gun Maverick. We're going to talk to her about that, too, all on the way. Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. 
Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, hour number one of today's program, also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Game seven last night in the NHL. The New York Rangers defeated Carolina, so the conference finals are set in the NHL. It'll be the Rangers and the Lightning in the East, and then getting underway tonight, the Avalanche and the Oilers in the West. So looking forward to the conference finals on the ice. Let's put the uh, finishing touches on college lacrosse season. And always got to... It's always a little emotional, our final chat with Patrick Stevens for the year, a buddy from Washington Post, the USA Lacrosse Magazine. Back after a trip up to Hart, scenic, a beautiful Hartford. Thank you for taking a couple minutes for us. As always, pal. Sure thing. I'm just glad to be awake at this I point. was going to say. I was going to say. Um, I don't know what to say about it. I, You know, this the debate now becomes, is Maryland the greatest lacrosse team of all time? I have no idea what the answer to that question is. I, and I was... In fact, what you wrote for USA Lacrosse Magazine kind of inspired what I wrote this week at PressBox, which is, does it matter? Who cares? They, they, they're they an undefeated team that won the national championship. They're certainly in the conversation. I'm pretty sure that's all that really matters. Yeah, and I, I think in lacrosse in particular, maybe more so than, than maybe more conventional sports, it's, it's almost sort of similar to, to like a tennis or a golf where you have not just not just rules changes that have occurred, but equipment changes that have occurred over the years that have dramatically changed things. And so to try to compare even the teams from the, so the Navy teams of the 60s and, the, and Cornell from the early 70s, uh, and even into the mid-70s, those Cornell teams and some of the teams in the 80s, just with the, the advancements in the sticks and what have you, is really, really difficult. And then you start throwing in uh, different rules changes like, you know, adjustments in the face-off over the years. When you look at, you know, the number of poles that have been permitted on the field at a given time, an era uh, of maybe greater specialization and substitutions rather than the traditional, your midfielders just run themselves into the ground. Uh, the shot clock more recently. 
There's a number of these things. And so I feel like the window that you can really compare this Maryland team to is not really all that large and certainly does not cover all time. So if we're sitting here saying what, what are the teams in somewhat recent history that they're stacking up with, you know, it's 1990 Syracuse uh, and, and 2006 Virginia. Uh, there's a handful mm-hmm. of other undefeateds in there, 91 Carolina, 97 Princeton, the, the middle team of that three-year dynasty, 05 Hopkins, uh, the back-to-back Duke teams from a decade or so ago. Uh, so it, it, there's certainly no shame in being an undefeated champion, right? Like that you're, you're not, if, you're, if you're somebody on that team, you're going to say, we, we beat everybody that came in front of us. And at the end of the day, that, that's a pretty impressive accomplishment. I'm not willing to go so far as to say it's the best team ever. I think, I think frankly, the best team ever wins its national title game by more than two goals. Okay. Um, I think the best team ever probably has uh, a scenario where they're facing a more stacked situation. Like even Virginia of 06. Now, granted, that team didn't have to deal with Duke that year. Right, um, right. But, you know, the talent diffusion is greater. And so I think there's more good teams, but fewer great teams that are out there in any given year. And so that makes it more difficult than, say, comparing to a 1990 Syracuse, when the talent was really, uh, really concentrated in, in even few, far fewer schools than it was in, in, in 06, let alone today. It's fair. I think all those things are fair. I and I, I I'll still come back to, but doesn't matter, right? <laughs> like, doesn't matter. Not yeah. for these guys. It yeah, and right. It right. Who cares? They won the national championship. They went undefeated. They were. Rem- I mean, th- you know, they- I think I think some of this comes comes down to you know the temptation for people to say the best team ever, and what they really mean is the best team ever since I started paying. Attention. Right. That that I can remember. Exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So for some of those folks, that's the best team ever since. 2019. Uh, for some of those people, that's the best team ever in 15 years. Right. Uh, and for people that have been around a little bit longer, you know, you've seen other good teams come along that had definite strengths. Uh, but I, I feel like that, and that's not just specific to this instance. Uh, I think that when you see the best team ever, greatest of all time, sort of thing, there's definitely uh, a sort of sort of lack of institutional memory that sort of helps perpetuate those conversations uh, more so uh, than they probably should. Is there any argument to be made about considering whether or not it's like it's going to rain again at some point in the future on one of these Memorial Day weekends? It's going to happen. And it created a really awkward scenario of a team playing Saturday night and turning around and having to play the most important game of the season you know, some 32 hours later. And it's not an excuse-making. They won the game, right? Like, who cares? But does the NCAA have to think about it at all? Or is this just, this is the way it's going to be? You know what you're getting into? You're just going to have to deal with it because, you know, whether it's fair be damned, television is what matters. Well, you hit the nail on the head about the TV stuff. And TV is going to dictate a lot of these things. I still believe that if we were setting up a, if we were to start over and to try to set up what a more perfect uh, approach to this tournament would be, one of the things you would do is you would have, you would keep the conference tournaments where they're at in the first weekend of May. Then you would have sort of a non-conference rivalry weekend where everybody gets to get up and play a game that, that really gets the juices going 
and a lot of those games that have been shunted off to February instead get played there. Hmm. Uh, and so that would be a Hopkins Loyola, for example. Hmm. That would be a Maryland Navy if those schools can ever agree to playing again. That sort of thing. And then you have the first round the next week, and then on Memorial Day weekend at two sites, you play quarters and semis. One goes hmm. Thursday, Saturday. The other goes Friday, Sunday. Or you can go Friday, Sunday, Saturday, Monday if you wanted to. And then you have a week-long build-up to the title game the next week. And you can play it whenever the heck you want at that stage. You can play it in prime time. You can play it in the afternoon. That also, by the way, opens up a certain stadium about 30 miles to the south of of hmm. Baltimore hmm. Uh, hmm. at the potential that's not that's not hosting graduation any longer. That's now. not hosting graduation that week. Yeah, that might be an ideal so location that, for this yeah. event. So, so that's sort of to me like the ideal scenario. The arguments are going to be well, you have to you have to spend um, you know more money housing guys for an extra week. It's only two teams. Come on, um, the tournament still lasts three weeks. Uh, the tournament still covers the same number of sites. Basically, turning those quarterfinal sites into mini final fours, um, and so you know, that's there's obviously other variables in play. What do you do with the D two and D three finals? Do you want to try to create on an annual basis this sort of men's and women's championship festival, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically what's going to happen in Foxborough in, in twenty five and twenty six, which is an idea that has a great deal of merit. Um, and so there's all those various things. But that, that to me, is certainly one way of handling it and, and sort of decoupling the semis and the title game. Uh, I mean, just because it's been on Memorial Day since 1986 doesn't mean it's always been on Memorial Day or that it always has to be on Memorial Day. It's a fair point. Uh, and I, I think, too, you, know, you do have to ask the question of, and this is something that you know, I've had conversations with, with some people this weekend, is what ultimately are you trying to do attendance wise in terms of how big a crowd do you want do you want to is trying to right size the event and they got a greater capacity percentage at the house that Edsel built this weekend than they would have in a pro stadium but my guess is is that rather than drawing 21 22,000 in Philly or Foxborough or heaven forbid Baltimore actually wanted to bid again that those numbers would be closer to thirty or thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's more stuff to do. All this, all, all the variety of things you'd want to argue: more hotel rooms, all this, that, and the other. Uh, is it a better experience? I don't know the answer to that. I, th- I think that really comes down to you know talking to players that have been through it. And there's also the question of how much money the NCAA can make as well, because as long as there's pro teams, that, pro football teams that are willing to spend a fair bit in their bid then the NCAA is going to keep going back there because the money's good. So there's all sorts of variables to that. Uh, but back to your point about the weather, yeah, it's, it's not ideal. Um, maybe the answer is to play Friday and then Monday. Sunday or play Monday night, play Saturday afternoon and Monday night and sort of build in that extra time. Yeah, just I, you know, it, it, what jumps out to me about your theory is it prioritizes trying to make sure you have the best championship game you can, right? That Like the, the focus is – Let's have these teams be as rested and prepared as possible for the championship game to be the focus and the priority of, of how we build around the sport. And, and, and yet yesterday, that was a more typical title game than some of the ones that we Like the one we got the year before, where it was a thrill. Yeah, yeah. The, one, the, one, the one last year was fantastic. The right. one in 2016, the Carolina-Maryland game, mm-hmm. was fantastic. 
But you go back and you start looking at a fair number of these title games. There's a lot of low-scoring games. Yep. There's there's Duke and Notre Dame in, in, in 2010, 6-5, 9-7 the next year, 9-3 the next year. There was the 10-5 Denver-Maryland game. And I know that you've got the shot clock issues and all that. Uh, but we've seen 13-11 in the title game. We've I think Yale's might have been 13-8 or something like that. Yeah. Um, they tend to be lower scoring. Guys tend to be tired after having played forty-eight hours, less than forty-eight hours earlier in a sport that has basically gotten to the point where it's so regimented that you, you rarely see, outside of a conference tournament of the Final Four, two games in three days. So, I think ultimately that that's always been one of those like you, that, that Monday is essentially just a survival, and that and that fourth quarter yesterday is oh, a perfect example. No of that. question, like Mar- Maryland had nothing in the tank. Yep. at the end. And and John Tillman said afterwards, he doesn't know it, what would have happened if they had to play another quarter. I mean, I have a pretty good idea. It wouldn't have been very yeah, good. It didn't, lo- it didn't look good. There's no doubt about it. It didn't look good. But irrelevant. They, uh, they're they the national champions. That's all that matters. All right. Um, just I, Look, I, I, I'm not trying to get you because, my God, the, the 100 guys could transfer between now and then. But I'll say, <laughs> it, th- I'll say it this way. Even losing as many players as Maryland is slated to lose, you and I have talked about this, I, I got to imagine there's good reason to think that a John Tillman coach Maryland team will be in the mix again come next May. In the mix, yes. I, I, I certainly would not view them as, at this stage, as, as, as much of a top one or two obvious team as they were heading into this season. Right. Like, I, feel like, I feel like the general consensus in the sport coming into the spring was, okay, Duke, Maryland, Virginia, pick your order for those three, and then who else is going to be? Uh, and, and Duke obviously uh, struggled a bit uh, and had some stumbles along the way. But the other two teams, people were pretty much spot on about, regardless of, of how the seeding worked out. Like, I think most people agreed that Virginia was one of the top three, four, five teams in the country. I, I think it's going to be a deeper group, in part because we have some expectation of the Ivy League teams. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we're all going to overrate some of these Ivy League teams. Um, and some of them are going to have a little bit of a reset for a variety of reasons. I think those teams probably aren't going to be quite as motivated because how could they possibly be after having missed, you know, a season and a half basically and gone almost two years between games? How are they all going to be that fired up to play again? It's it's going to be difficult, uh, but there's going to be a fair number of good teams in that league, whether it's Cornell or Penn or Yale or Princeton, and I think Harvard will be better. I think Georgetown's going to be better and angry after last year. Uh, I think those ACC teams will have something to prove, especially Notre Dame, but Duke as well. Uh, and obviously Virginia is not going anywhere. You've got Maryland. Uh, I, I think we could probably come up with a list right now of about 10 to 12 teams that might have a viable shot at winning a national title. Sure. Wow. wow. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be one of the, a very, very early look, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's going to be one of the more wide-open seasons that we've seen in a long while. Very interesting. All right, one final time this year. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player has played for? Uh, I got a pitcher and an outfielder. We'll begin with the pitcher, a two-time All-Star, twice finished in the top ten of Cy Young voting, four teams for Al Leiter. 
Yeah, we did that one last week. We did. So it was what? it was the oh. Yankees. It was the Yankees Blue Jays. Oh, Marlins. you know what? I apologize. I did have that. I'm sorry, Patrick. I screwed that up. Well, at least I went I four for four again. Yeah, you did. You did. I didn't get worse. You did it. You did. You know what? I'm normally very good about this too, which is the shame. I'm normally very good about updating the list so that I don't have that happen. But 100 percent right. All right, strike that. I'll go to this one. We didn't do Hunter Pence last week. No, we did not do Hunter. Four Pence teams last week. for Hunter Pence, a four-time All Star. Four-time All-Star. It's pretty amazing. Right? I did not realize that, yes. I'm so he was you. definitely an Astro, and he was definitely a Philly, and he was definitely a Giant. Yes, right? and there was a one-year stint in 2019 where he was actually quite good. Was was Hunter Pence a Dodger at the very Oh, end? no, it wasn't the Dodgers. No, it was the it was the Texas Rangers. Okay. It was the other team for Hunter Pence. And uh, we'll wrap up. I will go to a pitcher. To wrap up the year, how about the four teams for Roy Oswalt? Roy Oswalt was, oof, um, Roy Oswalt was an Astro and a Philly for sure. For sure. I, I feel like he might have been a Ranger. He was right? indeed a Ranger, yes. And was he a Rocky fan? Oh, well done, sir. Well damn done. Four for four in Roy, Roy Oswalt. Hey, my friend, always appreciate you. I know you were tired this morning after drive back from Hartford. Thanks for doing this. Uh, we will, of course, be in touch as uh, news warrants over the coming months and look forward to chatting with you again as we get towards next basketball season. Thank you, as always, for being a part of what we do, man. Thanks so much, Glenn. You have a good one. That's Patrick Stevens, USA Lacrosse Magazine, Washington Post, at Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter is how you follow him. Appreciate him taking the time for us here on a Tuesday morning after legitimately driving all the way back from Hartford, Connecticut, following the championship game yesterday. Appreciate him doing that. Um, we're not going to take a break here. We can go ahead and uh, call Commander Hanson. Did get a um, – hang on a second. From Joe. Joe says, uh, Glenn, appreciate what you're saying about gatekeeping. I have to admit – I am not the biggest lacrosse fan on the face of the planet, but yesterday I was all in, was celebrating, was jumping up and down. Everyone is able to enjoy and appreciate these games no matter what your connection is. If you're a Maryland fan, you're a Maryland fan. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope if you're watching the Maryland women on Friday, heartbreak is Boston College came back, rallied, won that game. It was a great weekend. My God, I hope you all were able to get out to Hopkins at some point during the course of the weekend. It was an unbelievable weekend of lacrosse at Hopkins. Three games, all one-goal games. Semifinals and championship game. North Carolina defeating Boston College to win the Women's Lacrosse National Championship. Incredible weekend of lacrosse. Great atmospheres at Homewood Field. What a weekend it was to be at Hopkins. Um... But yeah, whatever, whether you're a casual fan and a hardcore fan, whatever it is, I, I hope you enjoyed and celebrated and, you know, felt heartbreak on Friday if you're watching the women's game. I just, the gatekeeping thing, it just drives me nuts. Like, what what are we doing? What are we doing? Everybody enjoy. Everybody enjoy. Um, from Chris. Chris says, Glenn, you were talking about the Orioles needing a pitcher for tonight. Is no, it's not. No, Chris, it's not Grayson Rodriguez. Just pitched on. It. It's not as if someone couldn't pitch on short rest, but Friday is an awful quick turnaround. It's an awful quick turnaround. 
it ain't going to be Grayson Rodriguez. I don't know when Grayson Rodriguez is going to pitch here. We can get into the debate about what more does Grayson Rodriguez have to prove? Why isn't he already? Shouldn't he have graduated the major league level? We can do that all you want. I will come back to the innings thing and that they need to ramp him up during the course of the year and whatever the struggles might be between 100 and 200 innings, they'd like him to push through that for the first time at the minor league level. Where is he at innings-wise now for the season? It's still not too many. I mean, most of his outings have been five or six. Um, and, j- Glenn, just to update you, Commander Hansen's phone has been busy. That's fine. Uh, That's when fine. I call we'll figure, so we'll, we'll give her back. I, I, figured, I, didn't, I didn't think you I, – I figured that. Give her a call. <laughs> back. I, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we will – But, we'll yeah, I mean, with, with most of his outings being five or six innings, at the most he has gone one uh, outing over, I believe, into seven. He is. Um, he's up to 50 innings. 50 innings. Point. So, that yeah, right. I mean, that's still a, a managed workload so, and one that's not been incredible. Incredibly high for so, Grayson Rodriguez. So we're talking about another two months worth of starts in order to try to even get him to a hundred. Now somebody yeah, would say, Can right. you, "Are you really waiting two more months if Grayson Rodriguez continues to dominate to get him to the major leagues?" That's insane. I don't. I don't have a perfect answer to this question. It's again, Glenn Clark Radio. I don't have the answers, right? <laughs> I don't have a perfect answer with Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. I'm. I don't think it needs to be the rush that it was, no pun intended, Rutch. I don't think that you need to rush him the way that it was starting to feel like you needed to rush Adley Rutschman because of Adley Rutschman's age. Right, he's 22. Grayson is 22. I mean, that's a significant difference from being 24 and being Adley Rutschman and being as polished as a guy like Adley Rutschman was who had success at every single level, and Grayson's done the same thing. But he he never pitched in college, right? right. And I think that's a significant difference. Adley Rutschman had played in a college world series. Right. I mean, it's one of the highest levels of baseball there is until the the professional league. So I... I'm kind of in the boat with you where I don't think there needs to be any big rush, but if you do have a guy dominating and you're just saying, okay, at this point we're just keeping him down because he's 22 years old, that's uh, that not would, the good that argument wouldn't be, either. That wouldn't be the answer. That, you right. know, that, I wouldn't be okay with that. I agree. It yeah. would have to be something more along the lines of, hey, the goal was we wanted him to pitch the first, get to that 100, that, that 100 inning or whatever. What did he pitch last year? Because I know it wasn't. I believe it was uh, probably pretty close to 100, maybe a little bit. I think more. it was a little. I thought it was a little bit less than 100 last okay, year. I thought you, it was. Right. I know D.L. Hall has struggled to pitch 100 innings for a very long time. I'm not sure he's pitched 100 innings in his minor league career. But Grayson, I believe, has gotten close or eclipsed it. I apologize for some reason. MILB.com is running slowly for mm, me. Got to use baseball the, reference. I know. Well, either one of them works, but it's just a. It's an. I think it might be an internet situation that I'm dealing with. I know there was one that was 100, and the other one was pretty close to 100. I don't remember which year was so which. So Grayson, uh, he has pitched 103 innings last year. That he was pitched, last year. Right, so barely barely yeah. over 100. Um, then so 94 and if the plan going into this year was let's let him get to that number mm-hmm. and then make three more starts after that to see how he handles the larger number and to let him right. do that in the minor leagues instead of the major leagues, if that was the plan coming into the year – I'm okay with saying we're not going to divert from that plan just because he's dominating at the AAA level. Right. You're looking at 120 innings, roughly. We talked to Steve Johnson about this last week. Like, that 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 innings jump is significant. And if you're penciling Grayson Rodriguez into your starting rotation next year, mm-hmm. which I think most of us are, yeah. I think the majority of us are assuming that Grayson Rodriguez is going to be a starting pitcher, it's quite the jump to go from 100 to expecting someone to pitch, what, 200-plus innings yeah. a year from now if we're penciling him into the starting rotation for the entirety of the season. So 
I, I mean, if you want to go ahead and try one more time, you can. If not, we'll we'll take a break here in a minute. We'll try again after that. Um, I, I'm okay with saying, hey, that's something we're thinking about. And not knowing, again, I don't know what the perfect plan is for how you jump from one to the next. I don't have that answer for what the perfect way is to go about going from 100 innings to wanting someone to be a two... And it's probably a stretch to think that next year he's definitely a 200 pitcher, inning pitcher. It might be that he's a starting pitcher at the beginning of the year who's likely to get shut down again or right. for them to be thinking about the innings number. But I'd be okay with saying, hey, we want to see how he responds to that at the minor league level. Mm-hmm. We want to see, let's let him get to 120 innings. Yeah. And if he's still crushing it at that point, then let him come up and make some major league starts at the end of the year and get him ready for next year and being a major league pitcher. I, I don't know. I'm not I'm spitballing. If their plan was just was always, hey, as soon as he overwhelms triple A pitching, then he can be a major league pitcher, well then yeah, you've got your answer. He's overwhelming triple A hitting. I mean, he's striking out fourteen it's ins- players it's per insane. nine. It's insane. It's the numbers are frankly unprecedented for this kind of guy, twenty two years old and what he's done. I mean he's his ERA is two three two, his whip is point eight nine four. I mean, these are incredible numbers. But again, like you keep saying, there's no, re- there's no real reason to say, okay, we need him here now. The, idea, just, the idea that he has to be here. It, or it, that right. It's, it, it's, he doesn't have to be here. Uh, it's At some point, we know when a player has to be here. Yeah. Adley Rutschman had to be here. Yeah. There was nothing else that you needed to see Adley Rutschman do at the minor league level right. when he was approaching 25 years old. Right. What I'm worried about here is that Orioles fans are going to come up with a date that they think Grace oh, Rodriguez yeah. is going to make his debut, yeah. similar to what they did with yeah, Rutschman, and, and then attack that. the Orioles and berate the Orioles for not bringing him up yeah, on the date but, the Orioles fans but, created. But that's the, again, there's a different argument here. It made no sense that Adley Rutschman wasn't here then. Like that is was, true. There, there was no, as I said at the time, there was no reason that he had to catch a certain number of days a week at AAA. But there you, are probably a lot of fans who believe that there's no reason Grayson shouldn't be here. But. In the same way, you know. Then, then it's our. Then it's the the people that know a little bit better. It's our job to create a difference. I could not make a justification for what the argument that Adley Rutschman needed to catch three consecutive days or needed to catch five days out of seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. Why? Why can't Adley Rutschman DH a little bit more at the major league level? Why yep. did that have to happen at Norfolk? If it's about working him back to being an everyday catcher. Why can't he do that in the major leagues? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I, I never got, I never, I still don't understand what the answer to that is. Who is he blocking? Is if if it means Tyler Nevin isn't getting an at bat, we'll live. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No offense yeah. to Tyler Nevin, nice guy, might be a good baseball player. Not Adley Rutschman, but not somebody you needed to make sure. Hey, we've got to make sure we get Tyler Nevin in the lineup, and right. it, and Adley Rutschman having the DH a little bit more would keep Tyler Nevin out of the lineup. Uh, okay. So be it. We have to acknowledge that it's different with Grayson Rodriguez. This is still part of the development plan with Grayson Rodriguez. And I'm willing to let that play out because, as we keep saying, as much fun or as much as we can say the Orioles are more competitive or better than we expected them to be, this is still not the difference in winning or losing. Grayson Rodriguez's arrival is not to be the difference in them getting into the playoffs this season. And again, I get it. Miracles can happen, blah, blah, blah. I, I understand that. 
but we have to be realistic about it. If the Orioles were a very competitive, if the Orioles were a team that was in the throes of a playoff race, rip up, do whatever you need to do in order to try to win baseball games. Because they're not, make the best decision in terms of development. Right. And I don't know what the answer to that is. But I do know the innings thing is a factor in that when it comes to Grayson Rodriguez. I'll say this too. I mean, I I, I think people forget how big the gap is between AAA and the major leagues. And it's we, we we Paul and I have talked about endlessly on our show that there was an article that came out last year that that basically stated that the gap is only growing wider there, and that it it's only getting to be a bigger divide, and the guys who are coming up are struggling at a higher rate than they were previously. And I think that's another thing to keep in mind here. I'm not saying Grayson Rodriguez is going to come up and struggle, but if the Orioles feel like, man, we're kind of throwing him into a bad situation. We've got some tough teams to play. We don't want him throwing this many innings. We don't yeah. want him throwing, you know, we don't want to have him have 35, 40 yeah. pitch innings that would kind of also hinder the the amount of innings he's allowed to throw during the year. That you know, here is another arm care situation that the Orioles are going to have to deal with, and maybe they just don't feel like they want to throw him to the fire at the moment. It's another argument that we haven't even touched on, really. Um, I, the, you, the throwing to the fire thing it doesn't impact me. It, like no, okay, if. if if you're going to be mentally warped by getting roughed up and that's going to ruin you, then you're you're probably not the guy we think not, you are. Not a real – right. Okay, right? That's, that's fair. I, and, I think, and I don't think Grayson Rodriguez is that and guy. I don't, and I have no reason to think that's the case either. Yeah. What I would say more is I'm not going to make the decision. I know I brought up the fact that, hey, the Red Sox bats were hot. Why would you throw – but it's more – the decision to me will be about a larger developmental plan than it is about who's on your schedule. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm not making a plan based on, well, we need to have it be against the Royals. Right? Have him start against whoever he's going to start against, but have it be when you've checked off all the boxes right. in what you wanted to do with him as part of the developmental plan. And again, prioritizing him being in the rotation next season. What is the best thing for Grayson Rodriguez this year to be ready to go to be a starting pitcher first time through the order, through the rotation, that is, for the Baltimore Orioles in 2023? Right. And I will defer to them and their knowledge of what it is they think is best for getting someone lined up to be a starting pitcher next season in the major league level. Right. Because that's the priority. This year, it does not matter to me if Grayson Rodriguez starts every fifth day in Baltimore. I get it. Those of, those of you that and us that – and by the way, I watched a lot of baseball this weekend. The, I watched the entirety – I mean, obviously, last night was a lot of fun. There was a reason to want to watch the entirety of last night's game. Um, I, I get that you get sick of watching certain guys go out and pitch it, and you don't really – well, I don't really want to see Spencer Watkins go back out and pitch, and I don't want to watch Matt Harvey pitch when, when he comes off his suspension. I hear you, but you're conflating priorities. Yeah. Because you're watching, you want it to be more entertaining. You want it to be better versus does that really make a difference? No. In the long run, it doesn't. It doesn't. Just because Matt Harvey's on the mound doesn't mean you're throwing off your rebuild plan or anything like no. that. I do think, however, that you're above, and, and I said this when they signed Matt Harvey again for the second time, that I think you're above that kind of pitcher 
at this point in the rebuild, where I, I don't know if Matt Harvey's good enough to say automatically that, that he locks down a rotation spot, if that makes sense. I don't know if I, he's show. I mean, he had a, what, a 6 year ERA last year or something like that? Oh, where no, he wasn't good. The no. numbers were, frankly, not... Although, he, uh, that's that, that's unfair. I say he wasn't good. He was good in doses. He was good in times. I mean, he, yep. he was through May. He was yep. perfectly fine. And then yep. he had a stretch at the, at the oh, uh, I, tail I don't end think, of the season. I don't think Matt Harvey can actually help you in any way other than being a guy that can go out every fifth day and make a start for you... That do, whose results are irrelevant. If your goal is to get a guy who can throw four, five, six every uh, every five days, then I think that's probably what he can give you. But I don't think he's going to give you a quality start no. every five days no. or anything close to that. Or yeah, even even every third start. Um, but that's not the point. Again, this year, I get yeah. we we allow ourselves because this is more fun than maybe we thought it was going to be. Yeah. to to stop seeing the forest through the trees. This year is not the story. I know we want it to be the story because Hadley Rutschman got here, and so it feels like things matter more. But this year is not the story. I don't right. know that next year is the story, but next year is the first time we could think that like maybe it could be. Mm-hmm. So prioritize next year with Grayson Rodriguez and whatever you got to do this year. Whatever that is that you do the rest of the way with Grayson Rodriguez, for him to be in a place to be in the starting rotation and to be a guy who's ready to pitch at the major league level and go six innings every start, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. For the most part. Yes. That's what I want this year to be, is doing whatever it takes to get Grayson Rodriguez ready for 2023. No, I like that, yeah. 2022 Grayson Rodriguez is largely irrelevant to me. He's going to be here. I'm certain of that. And maybe it's next week. Could be. Maybe it really is that they've said, look, he's just so overwhelming, we've got nothing left to see. Mm-hmm. And if that's the plan, that's the plan. But whatever the plan is, I'm not altering just because he's pitching so well. Because the big picture, what matters, is Grayson Rodriguez next year. All right, I'm hoping we'll catch up with Commander Hanson. We will see. Um, if not, i got a few other things to touch on. And still to come this morning, simply the bets. Uh, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. All right, when we come back in, we'll uh, we'll get into some of that. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard them on jobbing out matt and nick jackson the young bucks thanks for having us man appreciate it the great kurt angle thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it matt riddle yeah man thanks man. the champ drew mcintyre oh thank you for having me the great ron simmons Damn. keith lee appreciate you guys having me man bill goldberg my pleasure charlotte thank you so much for having me mick foley is with us this is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion! Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. 
answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com to follow the show on instagram it's just glenn clark radio and to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait i don't think you're supposed to know about that one any hoodle take it away boys all right back in here on gcr as we continue on a tuesday edition of the program it has been a uh, weird morning around these parts. This is what happens coming off a holiday weekend. And it also, it's about a billion degrees outside. I blame both the heat and the holiday. That's what I blame. Heat, holiday. It is insane how hot it is. And what happens when you're dealing with a holiday weekend is that... Um, Things just sort of uh, get a bit out of whack. But we are going to chat with Commander Kristen Hansen here in a couple minutes, and I'm excited about that. She's, uh, yeah, I, I don't it's, know why. Maybe it's a studio phone issue. I'm not sure, but she didn't answer there. So I, hopefully I don't know. we'll get this figured know. out. I don't know. All, you can also text. You can If for some reason it doesn't work again, say, hey, could you give us a call on this number, and we'll give you that. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. <sighs> Fun. Hey, man. This is... I, we are where we are. There's yeah, nothing, no, we, can, no there's nothing no we can do about no it. There's nothing we can do about it at all. I got the chance to talk about the uh, Jack Peterson, Tommy Pham story on the radio on Sunday. Mm, yes. It is my absolute favorite story of all time. What is? Uh, are you a fantasy football player? I mean, I, I play. I'm not good you're at not, it. Are you, not, are you not in like a league? Oh, I'm in leagues. I'm but in like, are, Okay. Do, have you had an all-time greatest controversy within your fantasy football league. I have not had one like this where I punched someone well, not, in the face not, over. I'm not, not saying, but is, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that this always leads to punches in the face. Yeah. I mean, but has there been something that has created great strife, great controversy within yes. your fantasy football league? You know, a, a few years ago, um, there was I, – I, one, of, one of my friends, who's one of my closest friends, we were in a league – um, where his team was very successful and mine was very unsuccessful. And it was a league among, I think it was about eight of us, um, some people I went to high school with in this league. And he was about to go to the playoffs, and I was about to uh, go basically nowhere because my team was terrible. Okay. And I had some good players. Like I, I, It was uh-huh. probably some mismanagement on my end. 
and we decided that it would be a good idea for me to basically just send him all of my good players for free to try to win in this league. Oh, dude. And, uh, we, and then, never, we, did, and then we did that. You're out of the league. And then we did that. No. Um, you're, how old were you? Oh, this was probably like, we were probably like 16, okay, 17. Okay, yeah, I mean, my God. And we decided that it would be a good idea. And he ended up winning the entire league. You're out of the league. Dude. You're <laughs> out of he, the league. You're never allowed to people, league. People were very, very no, upset no, no, about th- that. There would be no controversy. You <laughs> would just be kicked out of the I, league. Well, I think we played the next year, actually. That's but insane. Yeah, it was It was maybe not the smartest decision in, in I guess hindsight. We, I guess because. Uh, but he won the league. Therefore, he got the money. You know, It, it worked out well for him. I didn't get anything out of it. I guess satisfaction that, that yeah, you, I helped Screwing over everyone yeah, else right, in your I league feel, is what right. you got out of it. Right. And you should be I feel, executed. I feel terrible. feel terrible. You should. It's you know, gross. Like seven God, years God, I'm mad. And I don't, not even, I, don't, <laughs> I don't care. And I'm mad. God damn. Glenn, we played in a, uh, a press box league. Yeah, but there was correct? no money involved. There was no that, money so involved. Didn't, I did there, not there do can, well. I started no off. controversy. I started off like 6-0. Yeah. And then it just went downhill from there. I, I think you yeah. beat me a few oh, times, did I? and yeah, <laughs> That's it was. Nice. It was. I, if, if you're, and I mean, I say this to Ken every year. I'm like, I love the fact that we do this, but I, you, I, I don't care about anything that happens in this league. Okay. Like Gary Stein will pitch me a trade, and I'll be like, dude, I, I don't care about this. <laughs> you're why, just, why are you spending time on a league that involves no money whatsoever? I don't well, understand. I, that. I don't know if you ever had the conversation on the show, but would yes. you agree that? The draft is actually the best oh, it's part the of only, fantasy it's football. The part that, and in fact, in a perfect world, no trades. Okay. It would solve so many problems about fantasy football. In a perfect world, no trades. Interesting. The draft I, is the day. The like draft that, is it, the point of fantasy football is getting together with your buddies. Yeah. Naming football players, consuming alcohol and, <laughs> and wings, yes. and busting each other's balls. That is the point of yeah. fantasy football. Everything after that, like I, I, I hate fantasy football it's just too time consuming i still do it mm-hmm. but i do it because i want that glorious day at the beginning of the year of getting together with your friends for a fantasy football draft and you'll understand the value far more of it as you get older mm-hmm. and you don't get to spend as much time with your boys right yeah, like yeah. fantasy football draft day becomes the day that you go out of your way in order to make sure that you're spending time with your boys in order to make sure that you're spending time together and celebrating and revel and having some revelry because you don't get to do it nearly as much for the rest of the year uh-huh so well, I, so before I started working in baseball at all, I used to play fantasy baseball. And that mm-hmm. was something where you had to change your lineup every single day and add guys in and move guys out. And that's the most stressful thing in the entire world because you've got to remember every day when you wake up, oh, I've got to set my uh, fantasy baseball lineup today. And then there'd be guys that get injured because that's what happens in baseball over 162 games. And it's probably one of the worst things ever. Dave, oh, I, I do, do not recommend. I, I had to bail on fantasy baseball at a very young age. <laughs> like to try I, to remember who's making two years. starts one week and who is. Like it's just, I just had to bail. I had to. I had to say no moss, no moss when it came to that. Um, the the Tommy Pham Jack Peterson story is my favorite story of all time. I mean, it's just. I, and, then, and then Jack Peterson going out of his way. I was talking about this with Hannah Kaiser from Yahoo Sports the other day. Like. N- You'll have players that just never want to talk, never want to give information, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Jock Peterson wanted to tell you the entire history of the. He wanted to show you receipts on his phone, right. like he wanted to give as much information as he possibly could about what had happened. It's it's simply wonderful. Um, all right, so what's what are we calling? Well, let's give a call all back right, right, right now. Right, right, um, very good. We'll try that one which more. Which one of these numbers want me to try? Top I don't know. Bottom. I'm saying that the, the first one is our hotline. Oh, that's oh, yes. uh, that's If for okay. some reason you have an Didn't issue, number. text her and say, "Hey, could you call us on this number?" Perfect. Perfect. Right. We'll do that. Zach Goodman is here with us. 
helping us out. Uh, appreciate that. You hear uh, Zach on the bat around every Saturday. This is the final day for you to take advantage of Glory Days Grill's spring seasonal menu. It's gone. Gone, daddy, gone. The love is gone after today. Now, there'll be a new delicious seasonal menu at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. That's a promise. But today's your last chance for the opener, the flash-fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce, the Cracker Jack Sunday, all of those things. You want to try them? Get over to Glory Days Grill today. Put your order in glorydaysgrill.com today, the final day of the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. I got to see Top Gun Maverick on Saturday night. It was wonderful. I nearly cried. And by that, I mean I definitely cried, but did my best to make it look like I was yawning, and so no one would think I was crying. It was perfect. What an event it was. I happened to find out last week that a former local athlete, a former Navy soccer player, happened to be involved with Top Gun Maverick, and I want to find out more about it. Um, Her story is fascinating in and of itself. It's a pleasure for us to welcome into the program Commander Kristen Dragon Hansen, who's with us now here on GCR. Commander, it's uh, Glenn and Zach. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. It's an honor to chat with you. Thanks for having me. Um, first of all, I'm assuming you've seen the movie at this point. I have. Okay. Can you de- detail through with me how you got involved, um, got hooked up with, with Monica, all of the, what is the story in you being a part of Top Gun Maverick? Um, at the time that they were filming up in Fallen, Nevada, where Top Gun is, uh, Top Gun Actual is up there, the schoolhouse is there, I happened to be working um, at a different department on the base, and when they were looking for pilots to fly in the movie, uh, the uh, skipper talking at the time asked if I'd be interested in flying uh, during the week that they were out there, and I said, absolutely, and uh, that's, that's about it. I get to <laughs> meet Monica and the cast, and it was a fabulous experience. Wow. So like, it, when, when, when they approached you about this, was it something that you were like, did it, did it hit you, this is a really big deal, or was it just sort of like, you know, this is what I'm going to do today? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it, it, I mean, it is definitely unique. There is something to be said when Paramount moves into one of the hangars, and it is a very impressive organization. So it definitely was not just going to work as normal. Uh, you know, going through, I don't go through hair and makeup before I go flying usually. So right, right. That in itself was uh, very unique. But uh, it was a very, uh, watching Paramount and all the actors and uh, everybody who is part of the production uh, get ready to go through the shoot and, you know, get the shots they were, they were looking for airborne was just really cool to see and how much they really cared about getting it right and making the most of the time that we had airborne. So um, it, it, it was really cool. <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds really cool. So when, when you say you were out flying, like when we see scenes in the movie, were, were you flying in some of those scenes and just the magic of cinema made it look like someone else was flying in those scenes? Um, I, some of the scenes... Uh, yes, I was flying in them. There's a um, obviously a huge group of people that were involved with it uh, that get, get to fly. I was very lucky to get to fly with Monica and uh, Lewis Pullman for their scenes in some of the beginning of the shots. Uh, and then one of the lieutenants, um, Amy, from across the street at uh, one of our rags, she flew Monica for kind of the mission scenes. So the, they have a fabulous camera system that they set up and worked with the Navy to make sure they could put the cameras into the aircraft safely. 
So there were about six cameras, if I remember correctly, looking back on the actors, and there were two over the front, uh, over the shoulders of the pilots. Uh, so almost all the scenes that you see flying around, the actors are actually in the aircraft doing their thing. Um, and then obviously they did some magic to make it look for the two-seat aircraft that, you know, the, um, the actors were in the front with their Wizzo in the back. Um, but there was a lot of effort to make sure that, you know, when we turned, we tried to tell them which way we were turning so they could look in that direction wow. and it looked more natural of how they were operating the aircraft. Commander Kristen Dragon Hansen, a former Navy women's soccer player. She's with us here on GCR. I, Commander, I think that's one of the things that jumped out most of me about the movie is, like, it, it makes it work. It doesn't come off as campy in any way. Like, it... You are gripped to all of this. You know what it is. You know clearly you were doing it, right? <laughs> like this is your life, and and did you feel some of that? Like oh my god, this really does. It comes off the way that it kind of feels like to be flying in these aircraft. Yeah, it's so much fun to watch. I think all of us who uh, did the flying were just super stoked to see the footage that came out of it. I mean, we don't have cameras in the aircraft uh, that show what the um the the movie can show uh you know even when we've snuck gopros up over the years uh it doesn't I mean, they're great footage but nothing like the imax cameras that they have in the aircraft so i think for us the, the coolest part was to be able uh to to see the aircraft on the big screen and you know it's what it looks like or, or the closest it looks like that i've ever seen um, from you know being the aircraft itself to actually being able to see it on a on a screen. That's really cool. All right. So in your life, did you have to deal with like were you ever out somewhere and because you're a pilot, like somebody came up to you and and tried to sing, you've lost that loving feeling to you. Like have you had to deal with like Top Gun, um, you know, just jokes or whatever over the years going into this? Oh, of course. I think I've been uh, dragged on a couple of stages for karaoke a couple of times or. Um, actually, it's a it's a fine if you're in the Top Gun building itself. If you quote the movie, are uh, you serious? Joke, you have to pay. You have to pay money. Uh, yeah, but it's all in fun and good jest. I mean, no matter how much we say, oh, you, you know, uh, we never saw it. Every single one of us has seen it multiple <laughs> times and, and grew up with it. So, um, but yeah, it's just some good razzing that goes on behind the scenes. So that, but that didn't make you roll your eyes at all when like you found out there was going to be another Top Gun. You weren't like, Oh God, really? We're going to have to deal with this for another 20 years. <laughs> uh, me, not personally, uh, maybe some of the guys out there, but again, they all secretly love it. I think, um, but I, we were, we were excited to see how it came out. And I think we're, we're all very impressed in the final product and, and that they did a great job of paying homage to the, uh, older movie while still moving forward with the with the new movie. So no, I think it came out great. No question. All right, how did we got to know about you? How did you, uh, Commander, become Dragon? Like, g give me your path from when you were here in Annapolis and and getting your naval career started to becoming, you know, a, 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 I'm, I'm not trying to but to toot your horn, but a, a legend within this community. <laughs> oh, uh, definitely not a legend uh, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but. Uh, I think I, I pretty much had the, the normal career path for uh, aviation, or at least the for a lot of us. You know, there's a couple different paths you can take within the community. But, you know, after graduation, I uh, did flight school down in Pensacola, Florida, and Meridian, Mississippi. Uh, ended up out here in Lemoore, California when I selected uh, Hornets, uh, which is what I had wanted. So I was very excited about that. And um, from there, I've just been bouncing around my fleet squadrons. I've uh, been in a couple of squadrons out here in Lemoore. I uh, was lucky enough to go through 
Top Gun uh, when I was a junior officer and uh, worked at some of the weapons schools out here in Lemoore as well. And then, you know, as we made mention too, I was up in Fallon uh, teaching uh, air wing integration for, so when the aircraft carrier goes out to sea, uh, our department worked on getting all the airplanes on the carrier to figure out how to work together. And then uh, came back here to Lemoore to, I'm currently a part of VFA 25 and Having a having a great time. The people are amazing in the Navy from beginning to end. So I, I think, looking back on it, that's the that's been the coolest part. Just the, the um, fellow pilots, um, our maintainers, our um, you know ground officers. Every part person in this organization has just been absolutely fabulous to work with. That's really cool. And where specifically did Dragon come from? Uh, everybody gets a nickname uh, when you sh- uh, show up to the the squadron. It's usually after you do uh, something uh, stupid. Uh, for me, I was we were rolling movies, and I love to play How to Train Your Dragon, just mostly because <laughs> it bothered the guys. So kind of stuck. <laughs> that, I was really hoping it was going to be something more badass than that. If I got to be honest with you, Commander. No, the uh, Navy ones are never badass. The, okay. uh, they're usually pretty self-deprecating. Uh, we make fun of the Air Force because they all have like cool call signs. We're like, ah, no, we kind of make fun of ourselves in the Navy. That's pretty great, actually. That is pretty great. Um, did, did this experience make you want to say, like, I hope they make another? I hope that, like, Miles and, and, and Lewis Pullman and Monica and all them, like, I hope that there's future Top Gun movies because I'd love to be involved with them. <laughs> I would love to work uh, with them again. Uh, it, it's uh, They set the bar really high from themselves, uh, and if anybody could do it again, it would definitely be them. Um, but it was such a pleasure to, to work with them all. Monica was out, is an outstanding actress and, uh, even a better person. Uh, so it was just, just so nice to get to meet her and work with her. And, uh, it was so much fun flying with, uh, Lewis and all those guys. So if they could pull it off, I think they have to keep the same cast because I think they did such a great job, but, uh, who knows? I know everybody said that they couldn't come up with a sequel that oh. would be as good as the first, and they pulled it off. So Jesus, pulled it, did I guess they. we'll have to find out. <laughs> oh, it was just so delightful! What a delightful film. Um, when I was I was reading about the the training they went through, the actors, and I read about something called the I believe it's the Hilo Dunker. Um, yeah. Can you tell? Because when I read about this, this sounds like a form of torture. I, I'm the type the, with, with anxiety whenever I drive over a bridge. I legitimately start looking around like, okay, if this bridge collapses right now, what do I have to do in order to like survive the, the bridge collapsing? This sounds like a form of hell I couldn't possibly imagine and, and reminds me of why we have such reverence for people like you and what you do. Can you explain to people what the Hilo Dunker is that these actors legitimately went through in training for this film? Yeah, it's a, as definitely as bad as it sounds. Um, all of us dread it and all of us have gone through it a couple of times uh, at this point in our careers, and it is nothing we look forward to. Uh, so that being said, uh, I have unfortunately known people who uh, have had to use the skills that they learned and were better off for it and mm-hmm. are alive today to tell the story. So uh, there is a reason behind all things, but essentially, you know, especially in a um, F-18, if you eject over water, the most likely way you're going to get rescued is from um, a helicopter. And then also, you know, once in a while you might find yourself on a helicopter going to and from the ship. So they want you to be able to know how to get out of a helicopter if it goes down in the water. So uh, what they do is they uh, literally have you buckle into a um, the frame of a 
it doesn't look like a helicopter, but it looks like this big tube with seats in it and fake windows and doors. Have you buckle into it and then go through multiple iterations of having that frame dropped into the water. It flips upside down and then you have to make your way out with about um, four or five other people. And you're blindfolded on some of the iterations. You have to swim the length of the... Uh, fake helicopter a couple of times, open doors, all while underwater. So nope. it's, uh, nope. it's pretty miserable. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Don't recommend it at all. Nope. You are. There is a reason why you are Commander Kristen Dragon Hansen, and I'm an idiot who talks about sports. <laughs> like, <laughs> you are not You are probably doing it right. That, that my, is the smarter way to go. My God, that sounds like absolute hell, like the definition of the concept of torture. And again, a reminder of why we have such great reverence for people like you that are willing to go through that and uh, and remarkable. And uh, did it did it mean something to you in dealing with these actors that they did go through that type of training, that they put themselves through in order, again, to try to make this as, as serious and as legitimate as they possibly could? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, some of it on the surface is safety, you know, for them to be able to get in the aircraft. Uh, we had them have them do that so that they would be safe themselves if it can't, if, you know, in the absolute worst case scenario. Um, but all of them put in a ton of effort into learning about the community and what it was like to be in a ready room and what it was like to, you know, to work together airborne and to prepare for missions. So, um, and all of them took that very seriously. So, I think uh, it was it was cool to see them go through that just so they understood a little bit more of um, the community as a whole and the training that was involved. So, uh, and I think you know that was something that we all appreciated a, a lot the amount of effort that they put in uh, to not only making a great movie but to make sure that it was as accurate as you could make it while still been, being entertaining. It was it really did come off that way, Commander. But before I let you go, only because of the uniqueness of when I'm chatting with you. Um, can you put into words when 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 people talk about Memorial Day and you know the, this weekend and people say, and we still struggle with people saying the phrase Happy Memorial Day, right? In in the United States, can can you tell me what it is that this weekend means to you and in your service and the people that you have known and lost in in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's kind of funny, um, not funny, but you know, watching the movie. Uh, older now, you know, when I saw it when I was, when I was a kid, you know, it was like affirmation of, yeah, I really want to do that. Uh, and then, you know, sitting back and watching the movie now, you have a just much different perspective on life and the community. And I, you know, you, you remember when you were a lieutenant and you're just, you know, gung-ho, ready to go, can't wait. And, you know, fast forward, you know, to where I am in my career now. And there's almost nobody in this community that hasn't lost somebody, hasn't lost friends or shipmates or, there's nobody, even if you don't know that person, you know, 20 people that were really good friends with that person uh, after an accident. And it's, you know, you kind of have to step back and, you know, look at that and realize that um, we all do this because we love it and it's important to us. And, you know, it's part of a, a bigger picture, but it doesn't make it any less difficult, you know, when, uh, you know, your friends don't come home that day mm-hmm. um, and you're close to not only them, but their, their family. So, um that being said, I don't think any of the people that we flew with would have changed a thing. You know, uh, I don't think there would be any regret in their mind for getting in the airplane uh, the day that they, they didn't come back. And uh, they wouldn't want us to stop doing what we're doing either. So um, we always we always stop and think about, you know, the, the, the list of friends that we lost. But at the same time, know that uh, uh, we're 
doing homage to their memory by getting out there and continuing to do what we do. Uh, that's It's so well stated, and it's why we have such incredible reverence. And, and how about uh, Karen Gabara still, still in 2022, still getting the job done, I know just a year removed from another trip to the NCAA tournament. It's got to be pretty remarkable to see the run that she's had after, you know, <clears throat> I don't want to age you, but a couple decades <laughs> removed. From your own playing career. <laughs> right? Uh, they're still going at it. Uh, it's awesome to see. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully moving back to the East Coast here in the in the next year and being able to finally get back and watch some uh, Navy women's soccer games. So super excited about that. I didn't realize, I think we did a all-year all, all soccer reunion a couple of years back now. And uh, I didn't realize how early on in the program I was. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that was the program was still kind of new there. And like, as you said, we're a couple of decades in now, and they're still doing great. So uh, it's awesome to see them doing so well. Uh, Commander Kristen Dragon Hansen, what an honor to chat with you this morning. It's so cool. Um, I, the movie is so unbelievably good, and I, I can't imagine how much it meant to all of you that it that it worked out the way that it did. Congratulations on that, and and seriously, thank you for all of your service to our country. It, it means a great deal. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Thanks for having me, sir. Commander Kristen Dragon Hansen. Ooh, ooh, we we got it. Yep, there we go. There we go. It's all right, Zach. <laughs> These buttons aren't pressing today, if you if you ask me. These buttons just aren't it's, pressing. It's the buttons' fault. <laughs> it's the buttons' fault. Maybe I have bad hands. I don't know. Go see, go see Maverick. It's so good. It's so good. And like, there's little things you can nitpick about it, right? Like, I was I, my buddy Kevin Valkenberg was talking about that yesterday. There are some absurdities within the plot, um, and I would say that they were trying to rush through some things early on to set it, things back up. Mm-hmm. It, it is irrelevant. What it gets to is so bloody good. It does not matter. Like it does not matter any of the little things you can nitpick about it. It is, it is an event. It is what I remember summer blockbusters being. It was the joy that I had as a kid going to see an Independence Day, going to see a big must-watch on a huge screen motion picture and feel it. When I heard the guitar riff, I like I genuinely got goosebumps. And um, you know, look, we can make fun of Tom Cruise, the person, all we want. Tom Cruise, the movie star, <laughs> is almost unimpeachable. Like you just the the number of movies that are so much better than they had any business being that involved. There's no reason why all these Mission Impossible movies should still be good at this point. There's no reason why The Edge of Tomorrow should have been any good. The dude makes really good movies, and we can make fun of him. I get it because he's you know he's a, a quirky human, but my God, he makes good movies. You set the bar really high for this movie. I, I might have really to see good. it now. I it's think I'm going to have really, to. Really, really, really good. How long would I have to wait? Probably. I had to cheat on my friend for, Simon had to marry him in order to go. See oh right, it. Yeah, there was a lot of controversy there. I did go with. I cheated on. Talk my about friend. controversy. I cheated with my wife, which is just the the cheat. What, what did your wife think? Oh, she loved it. I mean, she she had the time of her life. Now she loves Top Gun, and so okay, it made sense. Like you got to understand, if you people will tell you if you didn't, if you're not a Top Gun person, you'll still be able to love this movie. Mm-hmm. It's so good, but. There is the burden of sometimes movies are made just for the sake of making them, yeah. right? Like, let's just do another Top Gun movie. Let's just do well, another. Well, because they're going to make money, right. right? I mean, that's the, This ain't that. Yeah. This works. This is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just, it's a joy, man. And we got to wrap up because we got to get to Simply the Bits. Uh, you got a tidbit? 
I do have a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. So read it all, pressboxonline.com. Adley Rutschman is on the cover, a wonderful cover story from Luke Jackson about his passion for catching, his passion for baseball, and why it is that he was such a leader on day one when he arrived in the major leagues. Again, pick it up for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. All right, Glenn. So Ryan Mountcastle, if you watched the game last night, which I'm sure you did, um, or I'm not sure if he did, I, whatever, it doesn't matter. But Ryan Mountcastle had four hits, but he was a triple short of the cycle last night. So there are five Orioles that have hit a cycle in their career, and I want you to name the five Orioles and when the cycles happened. I actually think, well, I, what year? I couldn't tell you what year. The years no, you never, can take a guess. No, years are never a thing for me. I, I did this exact trivia for Paul uh, Valley. He did pretty well. Well, I think, and I think um, the fortune, I th- actually want to say that Paul did this, not that. Oh, Paul did this for me. you? Maybe oh, because he stole it was my trivia. by you. Mm. And I I want to say I remembered four out. So I, Felix PA, of course, and yes. whatever, 2010. Oh, you're close. 2009. Nine, yeah. There's one of them. Uh, Cal Ripken in 82. 84. 84. You're close. I mean, I yeah. uh Aubrey Huff in, that would have been 06, 07. 07. 07. Uh, Brooks, I don't know what year. Well, this is good. You're doing Brooks, well here. Brooks was, what year was it? I don't remember. 1960 okay. versus oh, Chicago. No, wow, that was earlier than I thought it was. Um, and then I, I, I think this happened to me the first time where I forgot who the fifth one was. And it <laughs> okay. was, it was, it was, I thought it was, was it more modern? It was modern. And it was re- like, it was actually super recent. I've just completely uh, forgotten. Yeah. I've completely forgotten about we'll it. We'll call it that. All right. Just remind me because we're running Jonathan VR. That's 2019. Exactly That's who it was. Yeah. That's twice that I've forgotten Jonathan VR in the list of Oriole cycles. Mm. Twice in the span of three months. I did and not despite know Despite the fact Paul that I was that. told. Okay. Despite the fact that I was told, I still forgot about it. No worries. Not a good, good, stuff. good stuff. Not a good sign. All right. Tubular brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages. Excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up tonight. Totally tubular-wise. Orioles indeed are back home. Open up a series with the Mariners on Mass and 2, 7 o'clock. George Kirby against... TBA. Yeah, it's actually going to be Brian Baker. Brian, uh, they it's going to be a bull, so they're bullpen. Bullpen game. They're yes. bullpenning tonight. Yes. So it's not Dean Kramer. Although he could still be, be part of the equation, I guess somehow. Maybe. Um, but Brian Baker will be the first pitcher today. Mass and Nationals, Mets at seven. TBS Angels, Yankees at seven. MLB Network, Pirates, Dodgers at ten. TNT Game One of the NHL's Western Conference Finals: The Oilers and Avalanche at eight o'clock. Tennis Channel, uh, French Open. Developing story, Carlos Alcaraz has dropped the first set to uh, Alexander Zverev, which is, uh, it would be a horrendous way for that to go. It's not okay. Uh, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, scheduled to start at about 2.45 this afternoon. Um, everything else, go to GlennClarkRadio.com. Sports, uh, non-sports-wise, anything that stands out? Uh, not too many things, but holy moly, it's on tonight, 8 sure. o'clock on sure. ABC. And then we've got Bill Burr on Jimmy Kimmel, if you're interested. I do in like Bill that. Burr. So there's that. There, there we go. And finish up Stranger Things, if you have. I haven't even been able to start. Oh, Just too much going on. Clip. Oh, and I didn't, the Norm MacDonald thing came out yesterday. I haven't been able to watch that either. I got a lot. I got a lot on my list. Tennis gets in the got way. Got a lot to watch. Ten- oh, sure, tennis is trouble. Sure. And I wanted to watch the Orioles. I legitimately wanted to watch the <laughs> Orioles. Way too much going. And there was a lacrosse championship yesterday. Yes. Way too much good sports is getting in the way of the things I really want to watch. Stupid sports. Fair enough. Hey, thanks today to uh, Lieutenant, or sorry, to Commander Kristen Dragon Hansen. Thanks to John Tillman and to Patrick Stevens. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Urchise. tab at glennclarkradio.com. 
Uh, Drew will join us tomorrow. We'll attempt again to go down to Norfolk. Tomorrow is supposed to be our buoy day. We'll see if that plays out. And I believe Mike Loxley is actually going to join us tomorrow. Okay. I uh, haven't chatted with him since he agreed to a contract extension, so wanted to do that. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. And thanks to Zach. Uh, it's uh, Zach Goodman. At Z Goodman 20. At Z Goodman 20. Yes. That's how you follow him on Twitter. Thanks to Griffin, at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan, at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday night. Uh, go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. If you're with us audio-wise, do nothing. If you're on video, give us one minute. We'll be back with Simply the Bats. And welcome into Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Glenn Clark, Zach Goodman with you. NBA Finals are set. We're going to talk about that. It was a big weekend of events, but now we are on to June and, and crowning a champion. How do we make money betting the Warriors and the Celtics? We're going to talk about that. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll check in with our buddy Leon Twyman. Assistant General Manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Aaron Oster is going to join us in just a second from out in Vegas, where hopefully he is no longer stuck in an elevator. I, like Aaron, was on Gervonta Davis in round 7 through 12. And, of course, it was round 6. Of course it was. Nothing you can do about it. It's the way it goes. Six. One round off. One round. So we got to make that money back. That's the plan. Aaron Oster out in Vegas at Visa. He's up first here on Simply the Bets. Uh, did you manage to get your way out of that elevator, pal? I, I did get out of the elevator. I did. It, it was a tough one, but, uh, yeah. A Aaron, hour. Aaron experienced uh, what is many of our nightmares and part of the reason, but not the most significant reason, but I do not take elevators any longer in my life. I won't do it unless I'm above the eighth floor. I think the, or the tenth, I think is the number. If I'm above, like, the tenth floor, I'll take an elevator. 
But short of that, I will not. And the reason is because of what happened. It's actually not true. The reason is really because I, it's a good excuse for me to get some steps in and to not be a fat ass. That's the real reason why I don't take elevators. But Aaron attended the big professional wrestling uh, event. And this was at the big arena in Vegas, correct? Yep, T-Mobile Arena. And how many of you were in said elevator? Uh, nine, and yeah. it was a bigger elevator, so we had a little space. I don't good. know. I would get real claustrophobic real quick. I would get very, I would start, there would be some panic setting in pretty quickly in that. You said you were stuck in there for how long? Close to an hour. I, I would want to die. I would want <laughs> to die. I would not. At about the 10 minute mark, I would no longer be cool. I would ask, did you ask if anyone had any drugs? Like, did you say, does anyone have something that can alter my state at this point? Because that's about the only way I could see myself surviving an hour stuck in an elevator. Yeah, it was interesting, you know, kind of oscillating between making a lot of jokes and just, like, silence for about five minutes at a time. Yeah. Did anybody, did, did, was the conversation broached about what happened if someone needed to urinate? Briefly, yeah, because there, there, there was a pregnant woman. Oh before. God! Oh God! Oh, oh no! You, you just but gotta, you, you gotta so establish that, a corner. Oh. Did, <laughs> yeah, right. Did, did, did you okay, guys? Right. I was gonna. Did you create sort of a shadow government in the elevator? Was was someone? Was it a Lord of the Flies situation? Did someone have a conch, and were they in charge? <laughs> in those, well, did, they, did anybody say sucks to your asmar? Basically, the guy who was next to the call button was kind of the default spokesperson okay. until about the 30-minute mark where the pregnant woman basically just started yelling at the person. Understandably. So. Understandably, yeah. by the way. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you made it out. I'm glad you're all right. Uh, I'm not glad that we were on Javante Davis to reach round seven, and he came up one round short. That is 20 seconds. Come on. That is quite on, a little longer. Quite frustrating. Quite frustrating, but such is life. Um, let's get into it. Five L's for the week. Aaron Oster tells us bets that we should be making. Let us begin. What is your local bet for this week? You know, I was hoping FanDuel would have uh, something fun for Maryland baseball at this point, regional odds, whatever. They don't have that right now. So and by the way, I'm not, I'm not feeling, after what I saw from them this week, I'm not so feeling so great about that ticket I purchased last week. I no, and if you look at FanDuel now, you could get a much, much, much better number. If you still believe in Maryland, it's, I believe, 120 to 1 at oh uh, FanDuel my. right now. Oh they have a very tough... Not just because of last week, though. They have a very tough road. They were not given any favors by nope. the committee, and even if they make it out of their region, they have Stanford yep. uh, staring at them. Not so, ideal. Not not great, Bob. Not, not great. Ideal. Not ideal. All um, right. So what do you got instead? Uh, I'll, I'll play the uh, the Mariners Orioles game today. Uh, the line's not up at Fanduel, which is odd because it's up at just about every well, other place. Well, they like, had an announce. The Orioles had an announced a pitcher. I understand that, but I think everyone acknowledges the bullpen game. It, it, Tindall's about to put it up. Everybody else has it up. I can tell you that it's about uh, Mariners are a minus 120 to minus 125 favorite. And I do like the Mariners in this game, not just because it is a bullpen game. For the Orioles, George Kirby has been not spectacular, but fairly solid for the Mariners this season and has underlying numbers that show that he's actually pitched a little bit better than his numbers indicate and i think the mariners are actually starting to round a little bit more into form what we expected of them at the beginning of the season julio rodriguez 
uh, starting to uh, really hit the ball well. He's actually one of the favorites now for AL Rookie of the Year. Good for that ticket that we placed a few weeks ago. Ty France starting to really uh, hit well, and they just took two or three from the Astros. So at uh, 120-125, I really do like uh, the Mariners at this price. I would play, probably play it, depending on what Kendall uh What's the lineup at? Probably up to about minus one thirty-five. Oh, what a what a piece of crap you are! What a terrible human being! What a you're not even giving me plus money. You're making God. I hate that. All right, give me a give me a uh, long long shot. Let's start there. Give me a an underdog that you like. All right, for long shot, uh, I'm going to look at the NBA Finals here. I'm going to look at the NBA Finals MVP market, and what I'm looking for a long shot here, obviously, Steph. Tatum, they're the two favorites, and if you want to play them instead of playing, uh, you know, whatever team you believe is going to win for this series, I have no problem with that play. I think, you know, I've talked when we first started this. I talked about going that route for uh, for the Super Bowl. I think it applies here for the NBA Finals. You take the best player. If they win, you get a little extra money on it. It's a little trickier with the Warriors, though. It, It absolutely is, which is why actually. My favorite long shot play, Clay Thompson, fourteen to one, to an NBA Finals MVP. Okay. Again, you're looking at long, you're looking at long shot here. You're saying, I'm saying that the Warriors are going to win, but Steph isn't going to win MVP. How's that going to happen? Well, you look at players who can fill up every uh, every stat on the board, and that's Clay Thompson. And not just that, if this game, I think a lot of people expect this game to go six or seven. That's the favorites. Um, you know, go deep. Which means that when voters come around to vote, they're going to be looking at you know the last game of the series and, pretty strongly. And, and, and if it and if it gets to six games, then we know Clay Thompson's going off. Exactly, Clay is just so dominant in these closeout games that if you tell me he drops thirty-five, forty in a game six or a game seven to seal it for the Warriors, and Steph isn't being you know super Steph, I think fourteen to one is actually not a bad play at all. On Thompson. All right. I'm not actually there's something to be said for that and, and the value of it. I, I get it. It also in a weird way feels like there's like a de- determination that if the Warriors win that Steph Curry's got to be finals MVP right now because he's never been finals because MVP. Because he's done it right. So I, I do wonder about that a little bit and like do the Warriors do some things try to force it? Like I just I, that's in the back of my mind right? Like are the voters sure. are they saying hey if it's even close We've got to give it to Steph because he's never been Finals MVP before, right? Like those things are in the back of my mind. But as far as value is concerned, I get exactly what you're saying. I completely understand why at 14 to one, there is a viable scenario by which Clay Thompson could be Finals MVP, and if that's the case, why not put a few bucks down on that in order to see if you can't get it to pay off? Exactly. Uh, your long-term bet for the week, your futures bets. Um, you know, this is a pitcher I've looked at a few times. I've mentioned him as kind of a lean on strikeout props for my love a couple times. Um, Shane McClanahan to win AL Cy Young right now. He's been absolutely lights out for the Rays. He's five and two with a two point zero one ERA. And yet, when you dig into the advanced numbers, the xFIP uh, and, and the like, numbers are actually better than they indicate, and that's kind of impressive considering the two point zero one ERA, second in the league in K's per nine. Uh, and as I mentioned, the best exit in baseball, I think uh, at plus 750, that number is going to go down really quickly as people are starting to catch on to this. Wouldn't shock me if by the end of the, you know, after his next start, it's down to five to one, maybe even four to one. I think now's the time to get on uh, Shane McClanahan for AL Cy Young. So yeah, plus 750, I think is a good price right now for that. Um, 
I don't know enough about we're so it's so early on in the process, right? <laughs> that like I have sure. no idea how I feel about any of it, but sure. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not dip a couple of bucks on that? He's our buddy Aaron Oster from uh, VEASAN out in Las Vegas. He's with us here on Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Let's go next to the bet that you say, stay the hell away from, treat this bet as if it were the monkeypox. What is the bet that is a loser for you this week? You know, I actually had a little bit of a trouble finding a loser. Usually there's one that jumps out to me right away. But then I did find one, and I did a little digging, and I, I like it even less than I originally thought. Um, the White Sox, despite being four and a half games back in the AL Central, still an odds-on favorite at minus 105 to win the division. And I, I get it. Look, the, the White Sox were pretty heavy favorites going in. There's no team in the AL Central that's really dominant. As much as anything, was probably about liability. But looking into it, and, and obviously it's still early and anything can happen, but looking into it, like there's nothing about the White Sox, the way they've played, that indicates a turnaround is coming. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be bad. It doesn't even necessarily mean that they're not going to win the division, because again, the division's not very good right now. But usually when you see these things, these early uh, you know, teams in second, teams in third, teams are, who are not in first, who are odds-on favorites, there's something about it. There, there's something about the underlying numbers that say, oh, some positive regression is coming. They've gotten unlucky here. Their, their run differential is a lot better than their record indicate. And none of that applies to the White Sox. Um, like I said, they might end up winning the division, but I can't, have, I, I can't tell anybody to be betting minus 105 on it. If it was plus 150, if it was plus 175, I would say, okay, maybe that's worth the flyer. But there's no way there's more than a 50% chance of the White Sox winning this division. So please stay away from this until it gets back up to plus money. Uh, my buddy uh, Zach Goodman, who's sitting in with us today from the batter, and he loves the Twins. He says you should throw in your money on the Twins right now. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, you know. I, I, I think they're, as far as betting goes, they're undervalued from where they should be because they're a team that, frankly, is winning a lot of baseball games, and the rest of the division, frankly, yes, not isn't. doing that. Yeah, right. That's so a great I, point. <laughs> it's, well, but, it seems pretty safe to me. But when you have such a popular players manager as Tony Larusa, you just got to figure that the guys Clearly. they're really going to be they're going to be inspired <laughs> to rally around him as the season goes on. No, like I, I have no doubt that the White Sox will eventually get better, and that they will. Because they still have plenty of talent. There's they do. No question they they about have that. plenty of talent. There's a lot of games left in the season, but I don't think it's a bad idea right now to say that the Twins are a good baseball team because they've got I mean they have plenty of talent too I mean they signed Carlos, Carlos Correa in the offseason so it's not exactly like the twins are, are that no, much I, I, that much uh, depleted compared yeah. to the, the, the Chicago White Sox and, and by the way I think the Guardians are live in this division as well I think that I'm not necessarily saying go out and buy the ticket but if it ends up that the Guardians are in first place in September it wouldn't shock me one bit um. Okay. Uh. I still. There still has to be an amount of commitment from that franchise that, like, they're sure. they're gonna they're gonna try. You know, like that still has to involve that and not going the exact opposite way before I necessarily believe it. Uh. And then the bet that you love. Give me the bet that you say. Skip. Skip going to see Top Gun. Skip everything that you have scheduled for the week. Only worry about getting to the FanDuel Sportsbook. At Live Casino and Hotel, in order to make this bet, what is your love bet for the week? Well, clearly, it's not just skipping going to Top Gun. It's going to get the money that lets you go see Top Gun in theaters right That's right. Now. right. Instead, instead take that money and do this with it. Yes. Um, 
this one is as much of a heart bet as much as as much as a head bet because I want to be on this ticket because it's going to be a fun ride tonight. Uh, Oilers Avalanche over seven goals. You never mm. see sevens mm. pop up in the NHL, and you're seeing it here. Um, but for good reason. Look, we we saw everything that happened in that Oilers Flames series, and the Avalanche might even be a better offense than the Flames are. Um, this is going to be a really fun one, especially especially in Game One before they really feel each other out. I expect absolute explosions in this one. Uh, just, you know, everything we've seen, Jesus really going off. If you want to play him for a goal, I don't hate that either in this game. And when it hits seven, it usually hits seven for a reason. It's funny, like, this happens in football and really in all sports. Everyone sees these record totals go up, and they immediately say, oh, well, this, this has gotten out of control. We have to see the others. But overwhelmingly in sports, it's a funny trend. When you see rare numbers like this, it hits the over at an outrageous clip. Um, I believe it was the number, and, and it's different for every sport, but when it hits it, it hits at about a, like a 62% clip. Um, so I'm going, I'm going to play it here. I'm going to play the over seven. It's plus 104 at FanDuel right now, so you're getting plus me as well. And you know what? It's going to be a fun ride, so you're going to want this ticket just to uh, have it. There's... And then when there's 12 goals and by the second period, you're going to be happy. There is a lot of firepower in this series, man. Like, there is an awful lot of things that can happen in a hurry, right? Like, in a mm-hmm. hur- blink, and you don't know what could go down. I, I, lo- I mean, it's... It, there. Someone would say it's absolutely insane to bet over seven in any hockey game ever, right? Like, someone would say, no, no. <laughs> No, not not given what it is that you're staring at here. Not given mm-hmm. that. It ain't insane at all. All right, very good. Those are the five L's for the week. Aaron, remind everybody what uh, VEASAN's got coming up. Uh, of course, check out VEASAN.com. We have a $39 deal right now. You get everything. You get all of our daily coverage. You get our newsletters. You get our best bets as well as our weekly point spread weekly guides. We have daily MLB picks, NBA picks, NHL picks all coming out. And then with all the big events, whether it's a big fight, whether it's the Belmont Stakes, whether it's uh, the NBA draft coming up, we'll have specialized guides for that telling you how to bet and how best make money. So check that all out at vcent.com. And, of course, he's on Twitter at the Oster as well. Aaron Oster, appreciate you, my friend. Glad you're not stuck in the elevator any longer. We'll talk to you next week. Hope all my bad luck was used up there. All the good luck's uh, going to you guys. Everyone cashes some tickets. No week. doubt, man. Thanks, buddy. Aaron Oster, our friend from out in Vegas at VEASAN. Appreciate him taking a couple of minutes for us this morning here on Simply the Bet. So a reminder, the finals get underway on Thursday, and the place to be for every game during the NBA Finals is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. You're going to want to reserve your spot because there are big crowds for the finals. So make sure you reserve your spot for Thursday, Game 1, Sunday, Game 2, any game during the course of the NBA Finals. Reserve your spots by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. It's events at sportssocialmd.com. Get your table reserved, get your reclining chairs reserved, whatever it is, events at sportssocialmd.com. Is that uh, Leon Twyman? All right, well, we'll talk to Leon now, and then we'll grab a break. That's the way we'll go about doing it. He is our friend, the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. He's our buddy Leon Twyman, and he's with us now here on Simply the Bets. What's going on, pal? How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, man, other than the fact that 
Javante Davis couldn't have waited one more goddamn round in order to <laughs> knock out Rolando Romero, who I'm still pretty sure doesn't know where he is at this point. I'm still pretty sure he is uh, on another planet. Other than that, I'm fine, Leon. That was a uh, that was a that was a bit of a bummer for me sitting there. In it rounds. was it was a crazy fight. Um, <laughs> you, the the sports book was insane. I, it was probably more people in there for that fight than what we had for Super Bowl. Holy crap. Oh, I mean, they were everywhere, like, in between the slot machines, in between table games, you know, standing on the stairs, the walkways. They were just all over the place. It was absolutely insane in there, and I loved every moment of it. Well, it's, it speaks to not, I mean, I, look, I know Gervonta is a draw everywhere, but clearly, particularly here in his hometown, he is a massive draw, man. Like, it is a big deal, so... Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you bet Javante in any way, you're feeling good. But if you specifically took that uh, that the alternate uh, betting round option of seven to twelve, you are struggling today. <laughs> you are struggling. With yeah, that. definitely struggling with that one. We had a lot of people take that actually. Oh God, God, that was uh, that was unpleasant. All right, Leon, let's talk about the uh, the NBA Finals. They get underway on Thursday night. And Thursday, Sunday, then things kind of get weird. Wednesday, say like it's just it's a weird schedule for how the finals work. But everything gets underway on Thursday night. And I know that um, basketball typically leads to huge crowds as well in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Let's go through what might be available finals betting wise that perhaps wasn't available earlier in the playoffs. So we have um, actually quite a few things that we have going on. Um, some of the typical stuff you obviously can bet, you know, series wins. Uh, you can do uh, highest points per game average in the series, highest rebound average, assists, three pointers. But one that actually stuck out to me that I really liked yeah. were just like some of the uh, the parlays of, for example, you have Steph Curry here as the highest points and three point average in the series at plus four thirty. Oh, I like that. I mean, so that's but it's highest points from either team, right? Boy, Correct. Boy, that's that that is tough though, right? Because the Warriors are just a bit more balanced, and I think we're all assuming that Jason Tatum is going to be the guy for Boston. So, do you really trust that Steph Curry is going to have have a higher points per game average than Jason Tatum? Does? Oh, that one's that is tricky. That's a tricky little one there, Lee. I love I love the number. I love that, but yes. And if you want to play it a little safer, they do have Steph Curry to average 25-plus points and Golden State to win the series. That's at plus 145 if you want to play it a little safer, if you if you have some uh, some faith in Golden State to win that series. I, I think, by the way, I do, for what it's worth, Leon. Like, I think that I'd be looking for parlays that would involve Golden State winning and something else because they're just so insanely loaded, man. Like, it's... God, you know, Kevon Looney's been a monster during these playoffs, right? Like, there's just, they have so much. I'm, I have been not, I have not given Boston nearly enough respect. I haven't given Jason Tatum enough respect over the last few, but like, this is a different animal, dude. <laughs> like, there's just, Jordan Poole could go, like, there's so much going on over there. Andrew Wiggins was a machine the last series, right? Like, I don't know how they account for all of that. I think I feel pretty good about the Warriors going into these finals. Yeah, definitely. They're they're a finals team, as we all know. So, you know, this is this is second nature to them. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at some of the MVP odds, right? We were just talking about this a second ago with Aaron Oster. It actually is kind of difficult 
because if you believe the Warriors are going to win, there's there's always this eternal argument that if you believe a team is going to win a series like this, instead of betting the team to win, you bet whoever their best player is to be MVP because you're you're going to get better odds, right? Like correct. That, that's that's a better way to go about doing it. But it's really tricky with the Warriors, right? <laughs> because <laughs> we know Steph Curry's their best player, but he's never been Finals MVP before, and we just also know the uniqueness of what it is they bring to the table, that it kind of could be anyone on any given night. So I, I don't even know how you go about betting finals MVP in this series. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, it's one of those things. Definitely, definitely something to, to really study and look into before you throw some money around on it. For what it's worth, Curry plus 105, Tatum plus 180, Jalen. And that, that's, by the way, the disparity and the difficulty of the – despite the fact the Warriors are favored to win the series – the the next two guys on the list are both Celtics, and then you get the Clay Thompson at fourteen and Draymond Green at fourteen. Jordan Poole, right? Jordan Poole's got to be live at thirty six to one, right? Like, <laughs> there's a there's a little juice to be squeezed at Jordan Poole at thirty six to one, isn't there? There definitely is. There definitely is. I'm boy, I'm torn. I might end up buying multiple tickets. I might be that doofus that has a bunch of different tickets on Finals MVP, and they all end up being worthless. Leon Twyman, the assistant GM of the FanDuel Sportsbook, he is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Leon, anything else Finals related? Anything reminders that you want to have for people about how they bet things along those lines? Yeah. So again, you know, we have 61 kiosks that are operational 24/7. So if we're not opening the book. Uh, you can feel free to come in after hours um, and place wagers. We have all kinds of options. Again, you have um, the finals MVP, uh, outright betting. You have different type of series bets. Um, and you can also bet the individual games as well. So there's definitely plenty of options and plenty of ways to, to bet the finals and just have fun with it and make it your own. Uh, what else are you guys seeing action on? What else? What's been something maybe? What was a bet that came in this week that you're like, huh, that's interesting? Uh, you know, we're, we're getting, I, I don't understand it, but we are getting hammered right now on the Orioles. Ooh, really? Like, people are still hammering that bet for some reason. Is it? I, mean, I guess because we're in, you know, we're in the area, but it still surprises me just how much money people are actually dumping on the Orioles right now to either win the World Series or win their division. This is wild. Look, I, there are dumber things to do, <laughs> but there aren't many. <laughs> do people know what team this is? Yeah. I, mean, I, I think this is the weird part. I think there's an, an amount of excitement related to the fact that the Orioles aren't as bad as everybody thought they were going to be, right? And right. so because that's the case, you want to have that ticket, right? Like you want to be the guy – that said, I got a ticket. I looked. I remember like seeing what the number was, and I'm trying to look at what it is now. It's it's oh, it's gone up. It's it's plus two hundred thousand on the Orioles <laughs> to win the AL East. The what I'll say is with the Red Sox being plus three thousand, that number doesn't make sense, right? It's an I I'm not trying to knock anybody at the fine folks at Fanduel, and I want to make that very clear, but <laughs> that number doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be not that. That it shouldn't be that great of a disparity between the Red Sox and the Orioles as far as their odds are concerned. But but the fact is, but yes, you're still not. There's no way you're. I get it. It sounds juicy, right? Two thousand to one. You make a one dollar <laughs> bet on the Orioles to win the AL East, and if they win, you get two 
thousand dollars. It sounds like you can't lose, right? It feels right? like you like, get more than that if what, the Orioles win the World I, Series. I mean. well, the World Series is different. I'll pull up the World Series mm, okay, okay. in a second. That's just to win the AL East. Okay, okay. You get right. It's a 2,000 to 1 odds to win the AL East. And because they're not garbage, because they're not what last year's Orioles were, you're like, well, hell, why not? It's only going to cost me a couple bucks. Think of, Just start doing that math, right? A $5 ticket would pay out $10,000. I get it. I get it. It's just we all know the reality. <laughs> you're donating. You're donating your five dollars. Yeah, pretty much. You're just donating. Yeah. <laughs> like you're helping pay Leon's salary, which he appreciates. I was gonna say nobody yes, buys. I love it. It's, I love it. Keep, keep coming. Right. Money in. You are donating. That's what you're doing with that. You are donating <laughs> that money. That's all that you're doing with that. I had no problem with people putting in Adley Rutschman at Rookie of the Year at thirteen to one, right? Only because. It didn't seem like anyone was really separating themselves in the American League early on as being, like, the guy to be Rookie of the Year. So if Adley Rutschman came on, got off to a hot start, like, he could absolutely insert himself into the conversation. He hasn't lit the world on fire, necessarily, over his first week or so in the major leagues, but I don't think anybody has separated themselves to the point where it's still crazy to toss in. Like, if you want to have an Orioles bet in, if you want to feel if you want to feel feelings the rest of the way as an Orioles fan... Why not toss a couple of bucks on Adley Rutschman as rookie of the year at thirteen to one, right? Like that to me is a far well do it. Right. It's a far more reasonable bet to make than right. just donating your five dollars. <laughs> For two two thousand to one odds. <laughs> is anybody putting in like real money on it, by the way, Leon? Like has anybody come in and been like, I'm going to put a thousand dollars in on the Orioles to win the AL East? So I haven't seen um more than a few hundred, but, but it's still, definitely been okay, like still. hundred. Still, <laughs> Leon, who has who has this money? Who's right. putting hundreds, hundreds of, of dollars. dollars on the Orioles to win the AL East? That makes no goddamn sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> and man, look, God bless you. And by the way, they'll be laughing at us. They will be laughing at us if somehow. Oh yeah, they'll way. definitely come back on this. And, and oh, uh, no, no doubt, it. they will let us know. Yeah, really, really, you you were laughing at me. Uh, how you feel now? Uh, for the record, the Orioles, it's um, – wait, now this makes no sense. The Orioles are plus 100,000 to win the World Series. I got to – we got to figure this out right now. How does this work? <laughs> the Orioles are plus 200,000 to win the AL East. They're plus 100,000 to win the World Series. I could have sworn that when we did the, the show last week that I looked at the Orioles number and it was plus 20,000 for the AL East. But I could no, be wrong. I'm telling you, I can see how many zeros are in this number. It's 200,000. Well, maybe they added another one since last week. That I'm makes very little you, sense. You could look, at, look at the number of zeros in there. I, I see it's it. 200, it's 200,000. Yeah. Now look at the numbers, uh, number here, the World Series. I'm just saying I think they changed it as of last week. Now, how does that work, Leon, that they have better odds of winning the World Series? And I guess because you could be a wild card. Never mind. I can answer this. I, I'm a stupid person. <laughs> because you could be a wild card team and get in. And if you do get in, everybody's right. got the same chance. Like but does it not take into account the fact that you would play, you know, most likely the, the Dodgers or the Braves or yeah, something I mean, it's, significantly it's better still, than you? It still doesn't. Don't make that bet. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Leon wants you to. Leon says definitely go make that bet. <laughs> yes, I support it 100%. Make, make another bet. There's other good bets to make. I just told you bet Adley Rutschman Rookie of the Year instead. That's a better bet. It doesn't have the same payout, but it's got a better chance. All right, anything else that should be on everybody's radars this week, Leon? No, that's pretty much it, man. Just hopefully get everybody in, start the finals, and 
and have a good time in the in the Sandal Sportsbook no live. No doubt. Starts Thursday night. Again, reserve your spot for Game 1 on Thursday, Game 2. Remember, Game 1 is at 9 o'clock on Thursday. Game 2 on Sunday is actually at 8 o'clock on Sunday night. So reserve your spot events at sportssocialmd.com. Leon Twyman, always appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. That's our buddy, Leon Twyman, the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Uh, I am a man who uh, holds a ticket on Carlos Alcaraz to win the French Open, and I am um, I'm not doing well right now. I am... Uh, I'm I'm despondent at the moment. Are you Are you concerned? Are you worried? I'm. What look? He's already shown even earlier in this tournament the ability to uh, grind out, win five setters. Okay, he's plenty capable of doing that. He's a very young man, no problem. But uh, it hasn't, it's not good. He's down two sets, and it's so much worse that it's Alexander Zverev, who we have every reason to believe is just a terrible human being, just a, a wretched, awful human being, <laughs> and you always root against Alex Zverev in every circumstance. So this would be, like, my as a tennis fan, this is my nightmare. Like, the idea of Carlos Alcaraz, my guy, my guy, losing to Alex Zverev is a true nightmare, and I don't much want to talk about it at the moment. I wonder how that updates the live bet. Like, right now, because he's down two sets, I just wonder what that does, because he was the favorite. Yeah, that number has moved. He's now plus 1,000. Yeah, that number has moved significantly. Because that seems these, uh, bad. Yeah, well, because of these two sets. Because he's down, I mean, that's the nature of it. He's down two sets. Sure. It's moved significantly. All right, um, we come back in. Did you do a tidbit? Or uh, for, a for, I'm, I'm going to do one during the break. We'll, we'll get okay. that figured right. out. I did All not right. have a chance yet. All right, tidbit of the week. And uh, I'll just update a couple other odds-related things before we wrap up for Simply the Bets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. 
The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxonline. Sports, or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me. Right now, you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. We're actually listening to uh, Simply the Bets right now as we wind down for this week's program. I actually have prepared tidbit of the week for this week. Let's hear it. I've, uh, I'm going to bail you out here. Uh, Sounds Zach. good. Sounds good. You know, I, I'm talking a lot about Nadal Djokovic coming up later on this afternoon. This comes to us from the Action Network. Appreciate them sharing this information. As it might not surprise you, Rafael Nadal, not normally an underdog on clay. In fact, it's... It hasn't happened much at all. And only three times ever has he been an underdog against Novak Djokovic on clay when they've matched up against each other. Not just at the French, but any clay court tournament anywhere. Only three times ever. And that's the case today. Today, Rafael Nadal is an underdog. He's plus 198, Novak Djokovic minus 240, according to FanDuel, in the quarterfinals of the French Open. Rafael Nadal just not used to being an underdog on clay. The only three times that he's been an underdog to Djokovic on clay, Djokovic has won all three times. Djokovic beat Nadal in 2015, both in Monte Carlo and at the French Open, and then in 2016 in Rome. He was a favorite in all three of those matches. Nadal was going through some health stuff. Won all three. So perhaps that's a guide Again, Djokovic a favorite against Nadal on clay today. All three times he's been a favorite against Nadal on clay in his career, he's won those matches. So just keep that in mind. In fact, he hasn't dropped a set to Rafael Nadal in any of those matches. So just keep that in mind if you want to bet that huge French Open quarterfinal a little bit later on this afternoon. All right, that was, uh, I think that's it. Oh, I wanted to update. There was one other thing I wanted to update. Actually, I saw one other thing. Oh. I pulled this from Darren Rovell's Twitter page. Uh, Hang on a second. Sorry. The state of New York put in. Oh, man. Hang on. I had it. I know I had it. I swear I had it. I promise. And now I can't find it. The state of New York announced their handles for how much money they've made betting, and it's it's astounding. I was going to say, it's probably out of this world. And I don't remember. I believe they are offering at betting. Ah. New York announces it has collected $267 million in tax revenue from sports gambling, more than any other state. In the last two months, New Yorkers wow. have placed $2.8 billion. Well, hopefully they the didn't bet bets. on the uh, New York Yankees to win the World Series because we all know what happens once the New York Yankees get to the playoffs. Yeah. It's never. <laughs> anyway. All right, very good. Um, Thanks to Zach. Uh, We will be back on Thursday for Weekend at Bookies. We'll be back tomorrow morning for Glenn Clark Radio. 
Uh, for Zach, I'm Glenn. And thanks to Leon and Aaron for joining us. Uh, this has been Simply the Bets. May the odds be ever in your favor.